The Joe Rogan Experience. Train by day, Joe Rogan Podcast by night, all day. Paul Felder, ladies and gentlemen. How are you, sir? I'm good, man. Thanks for having me, dude. My pleasure. Yeah. You, I, I love what you've done because uh, I think every professional athlete, every fighter, when you're done competition, you need something to drive you. And you decided to go into triathlons, which I think is fucking awesome. Yeah. Um, and I kind of... I stumbled upon it. I didn't have any idea what I was going to do when it was all said and done. I thought, you know, I'll be like everybody else. I'll do grappling competitions. I'll hit pads. I'll I'll stay active. But uh, that's still not the same as getting to the cage and, and actually fighting somebody. And I stumbled upon this guy, Lionel Sanders, who I kind of found on YouTube, just looking up run workouts. Because I was getting bored during the pandemic. I, you know, I was going outside. I was going for these runs, and they were getting boring. You just run miles. I was like, how do guys do this? You're just running to run all the time, and <laughs> like there's no there's no structure or anything. And I found one of his workouts in Arizona where he was running. It was like 107 degrees, and he's doing like crazy tempo workouts. And I was like, oh my god, what's that guy! What's a tempo workout? So, like, all your runs kind of break down into you know you have your easy miles aerobic, right? And then you have where you kind of go a little bit. You're not quite going as hard as you're going to go for a race, and that's like tempo. So you're upping your heart rate into that kind of zone three area where you're keeping it right there. You're not going threshold, which you know kind of just below all out. Um, and he was doing that, and it was like a hundred and something degrees, and I was like, this dude's out of his fucking mind. And I started following all his stuff. And then I started realizing how crazy this sport is. If you really watch these guys, I mean, they're freak athletes, these guys. Plus, yeah. MMA, right? You, you Wrestling, jiu-jitsu, kickboxing, boxing, traditional martial arts. Well, now I found this other sport that's totally new to me that I know nothing about that I can dive into. And it's all these different disciplines. So I can be an idiot all over again <laughs> and not just pick one sport. I can do all three of these things. And I didn't even know how to swim. Yeah, like, I, I grew heard up in that. South Philly. Bilal told me. <laughs> oh, bro, I swam with Bilal. <laughs> if, if I don't know how to swim, Bilal super doesn't know how to swim. <laughs> he sucks. But he does it. Just like anything, he gets in right. there and he does it. I've swam with him. He's he's done a triathlon. Oh, really? Yeah, he did it on like a borrowed bike, uh... a borrowed wetsuit, which is like a surfing wetsuit. Like not, <laughs> not what you would go and swim in, you know, cold water with for, you know, having any flexibility in your shoulders, but yeah. So these triathlons, like how, how long does it take to complete one of those? Well, there's sprint distance, which is a really short one. I mean, you can do those, the guys are doing those like, you know, under an hour, um, like 45 minutes, 30 minutes. You can do some of them. It's like a quarter of a mile swim. It'll be like a, a 10 mile bike. And then I think a 5k. And you uh, always, it's always swim, bike, run? Swim, bike, run. Unless you're doing like Super League stuff, which is this, this other organization that's now kind of mixing up the order of which they'll do things. A lot of these races, they'll do swim, bike, run, swim, bike, run, swim, bike, run. So these dudes are literally, and women, are tucking their caps and their goggles and stuff while they're riding on the bike and stuff like that. And then they pull it back out as they're sprinting to the water putting their cap back on their goggles and diving in after having just run, you know, probably like sub five minute miles diving back into the water to wow. not be able to breathe correctly. Jesus. It's the scariest thing of it all. But the ones I do the most are uh, 70.3s. So it's like the half Ironman distance. So it's 70.3 miles. It's 1.2 mile swim, 
56 mile bike and then a half marathon. Jesus. Yeah. And I started with that, like an absolute jabroni <laughs> that I am. Everybody's like, do a sprint, do an Olympic. I was like, no, I want to do this one. And I did. And oh my God. Well, I remember the first time I saw you when we were getting ready for a show, we were in the green room getting oh, yeah. changed. And I, I remember like, this. What are you doing? <laughs> I'm like, you look like shit. I'm like, are you on Adderall or yeah. something? You thought you I looked like meth? a crackhead. You look like, like a crackhead. You were yeah. so sucked in. Because I, I, was... I had just done that race. Uh, so when you saw me, I was still trying to even, uh, like days ago, I had done that race. And uh, it's like cutting like weight. fucking yeah. 20 pounds running one of those and doing the swim and doing the bike. You probably lose about 10, and that's with... Hydration. Hi hydrating the whole time, yeah. Whew. And so how far are you going to try to push this? Uh, to the absolute limits of being an amateur because i'll never be i mean these guys joe that do it pro i mean i don't believe you <laughs> i don't believe you you're i would a psycho. love to do it you're a psycho I, yeah that's what but I'm i don't saying. even want to say that i feel like it's disrespectful to the guys that i know that are pro and how how fast they are to say that yet all i want to say now is i i, I want to do it and be i want to win age groups right and my age group you know 35 to 39 is these dudes are fast because a lot of them come from a collegiate background of some sort of, whether it be swimming, cross country, track. Mm. And then same as me coming from MMA, they, they don't have that anymore and they find triathlon, but they at least have the base of an endurance sport. Whereas MMA is not, as much as we want to say you have to have great endurance and you do, which most guys still seem to don't understand that. But it's not the same. Like 25 minutes is the longest fight that we could possibly have. Right. That's the swim. But when you have a guy who has great endurance, they have such an advantage. Like Nick Diaz in his prime would put a pace on people that yeah. they could not fucking keep up with. I remember when Nick Diaz was at his peak when he was in Strike Force, when he was a champ over there. You remember those days? Mm -hmm. Dude, he was putting a fucking pace and on people. And he would people. get his ass beat for the first five Ten minutes of well, a fight. He would, he would force a slugfest, so someone would try to go all out. Yeah. And he would be hitting them like 50, 60%. And then every now and then he'd dig. Every now to and the then body he'd dig. in particular. Yeah. yeah. Like the Paul Daly, I Ooh, think, fight. What a fight. I, I'll never freak that what one. A fight. I'm like, oh, he's dead. He's done. Paul There's no chance. Paul Daly has the most ridiculous left hand I think I've ever seen in the business. Yeah. He is so, and he's so skillful, yeah. so so slick in his maneuvering and like the way he sets up uppercuts and hooks. Yeah, his fucking left hand is a weapon, man, and he bombed on he Nick Diaz. Him. Woo, crushed him. I thought he was done, and he just did what the Diaz brothers do. They take that shit. It's crazy. Come on, yeah, Come on. crazy how they take it, and that's gotta like that demoralizes you, man. Like you're yeah. in a you're in a cage fight. With all these people watching, and you got this crazy son of a bitch going, come on, yeah, man, that's all on, you got? Again. Yeah. And you're known for knocking dudes out like that? <laughs> you just, your heart immediately, you just shit, you shit it out. You're like, oh my God, yeah. I don't know what I'm... Which is uh, credit to Josh Thompson, because Josh Thompson is the only guy to ever stop really Put his legit shin right upside that head. That's legitimately stopped Nate Diaz. Yeah. Legitimately stopped him. That fuck, I mean, but that's like, the way he landed it to, it was so perfect. Yeah. It was like the perfect head kick. Well, he, and, and he still, was like bent over. Yeah. He was still an out-out. Still was an out-out. No. Crazy how tough those guys are. Yeah. I mean, but I think a factor, a giant factor in uh, especially Nick's early success 
Is was cardio. The cardio. Yeah. And he's known for doing a lot of like long runs and does triathlons. And they do, I know even just recently, a guy, uh, this kid Justin that I trained with did Xterra. He did an Xterra race with him. What and is he's an like, Xterra? So that it's more like um, mountain biking. It, trail running as opposed to you know the tt bike out on, on on a highway type you know the 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 waters are a little bit more rugged it'll be a little bit colder crazier areas that you're racing in so it's a little more like wilderness type racing but it's still oh. triathlon still swim bike run but the tra- you know you'll be up and down you'll be running through trails and like through trees and over stuff like that running from bears swimming away from sharks yeah well, <laughs> Don't, don't talk about it. I was just in Rio, and I was swimming in the ocean every day. And I know everybody's like, oh, there's no sharks there. But Are there dude, no sharks there? You can't help but when you're swimming in the open water, you kind of... I had a, like a can of soda brushed by me at one point, <laughs> and I almost pooped myself, I swear to God. My friend Peter Atia, he swam, um, he swam all the Hawaiian Islands. Yeah. He did this crazy swim, and he was training for this in San Diego, and I think... The week he was training, some guy got eaten by a great mm. white shark. So he's out there in the very waters where a guy got bit in half. Yeah. And apparently they were all training for a triathlon, these people that were doing it. Yeah. So there was like a run of them. There was like, you know, like 10, 15 guys swimming and just one of them. Ka-chunk. My first race this year is in Oceanside. So where's Oceanside? It's like outside of San Diego. Oh, Jesus. <laughs> oh, Jesus. Oh, yeah, God. April, April 1st. Oh my goodness! First, ocean ocean swim. Fuck all that. I was in Maui um, uh, last November, and um, a buddy of mine was just there this past. Uh, like Duncan was there. Like when? Like two months ago. And some lady was snorkeling with her husband, and the guy pops his head up, and they're screaming at him from the shore, "Get back in shore!" And he looks over, and there's all this blood in the water oh, and thrashing. And he gets to the shore, and he realizes it's his wife. Oh. They never even found her. Yeah. Well. Because she's gone. Yeah. Dry, oh, God. Diver de- decapitated by 19-foot great white shark in the Gulf of California, report says. Local divers have been warned about the presence of sharks in the area. Fuck that. Does this just happen? Yeah, uh, January 5th. Oh. <laughs> they paid him extra money to go down because no one would go get the mollusks. So he went and didn't make it back out. Oh, my. Mollusks? Like, yeah. what kind of mollusks? They're like, and also, I guess they're uh, 20 meters down or so, 10 to 20 meters down, so he was down a pretty specific So he's down really low, and a 19-foot mm-hmm. shark well, decapitated him? 36 to 59 feet, Oh, my feet, God. Yeah. Oh, my God. <laughs> Fuck that, Paul Felder. Can't what wait are you for doing? that swim. <laughs> <laughs> and, the, and the best part is we wear black wetsuits that make oh. us look like big old seals flopping around. And, and, and Do you have to wear a black one? Can't you wear like a neon I mean, if you green can find, one? If you can find a, yeah, a bright... I don't know. Do sharks see and do they see color though? They probably don't see shit. Black and white. So that pink one is white, I guess, to them. Yeah, it's like the underbelly of something delicious. <sighs> well, there's there's thousands of us out there, so you just got to be lucky. Oh boy, <laughs> you just got to be lucky. Fuck, man. Well, I was I did a race in Florida, and there was 100% a gator um, off on the side. That somebody sent me a picture. Thank God after the race, they're like, oh, by the way, this was. 
sitting on the side of the lake that you guys are swimming in, just if, waiting for us to finish. If you're in Florida, virtually any body of water could have could an have alligator. Hundred percent. You could, you so could, weird. It could be like in a development, and yeah. there's like a little pond, and they might just be like, "Oh, I'm just gonna go take a splash in here." Oh yeah, I remember like uh, a year ago, uh, some old lady who was uh, walking in this beautiful gated community in North Carolina, and she got snatched up. Yeah, they'll eat dogs and stuff like that. Oh yeah. I used to live in Gainesville, and when I lived there, um, the, back then, alligators were endangered, so you couldn't kill them, so they were everywhere, and uh, people would feed them marshmallows. There's a place called Lake Alice, and we'd go to Lake Alice and throw marshmallows in the water. I wonder why marshmallows, of all things. <sighs> people, just, they found out they would eat them, so they'd throw them in, you know. You'd, throw some graham crackers at them, they'd too. They'd eat chicken, that. too. They'd eat meat, whatever the fuck you want to feed them. That's what I would think. I would think yeah. protein. But they're fucking monsters. I hate those things. They, they really drive me crazy. I mean, they're truly, you know, a dinosaur, basically, yeah. that still still lives. Yeah, just a heartless fucking reptile. Just Whoa. wants to rip your leg off Whoa. and, not, and roll. I have, there's a video that I put up on my uh, Instagram from one of those, like, uh, Nature is Brutal or oh, yeah. know, Nature is Metal pages. <laughs> and it's a uh, crocodile grabs this uh, wild pig and snaps it in half. And it's got it by the, the jaws, and it just swish. Yeah, just rips just, it straight just off. Just with like a, a flick yeah, of I've its seen, neck. I've seen one of those. And d- dude, you see them? These guys still have the the. They're so stupid to. Oh, I'm gonna put my head or put oh, yeah. your hand in there. Oh yeah, all the it's time. Like it's going to shred everything off of you if it can. Yeah, they, there's like sideshows that they do where guys like touch the inside of the crocodiles they screw up right because i think that's what happens if you touch their their tongue or something like that because otherwise i don't think it even knows what you're doing it's just waiting yeah and the guy's not paying attention slips up oh see ya (sighs) man look at this guy florida man oh god he lost his arm share survival story after alligator rips off arm he gets lost in the swamp for three days oh i saw that guy now let's be fair he doesn't look like Whatever He's meth got much he was else on, going on, yeah, that meth kept him alive through that entire journey. Yeah, he <laughs> Three didn't, days he didn't lost feel much of that one with no arm. Florida man, that might be just a cover story for some fucking crazy meth explosion. Yeah, man, a gator got me. <laughs> I swear to God, I don't fucking even touch meth. It was nope. a goddamn gator. Goddamn gators. It's just uh, any sport that involves maybe getting eaten. Yeah. You're not going to get eaten inside of the octagon. I mean, it's definitely a safe environment as far as MMA. You just got to deal with the other yeah. maniac in there that's trying to kill you. What What <laughs> was the catalyst for you deciding to retire? Because you retired <clears throat> in like prime age. Like you were like, how old were you when you first decided? I guess when when I first said it after the hooker fight, I was, I guess, 37. Yeah. So it's like at the end. Of, yeah. But yeah. I started late too. Um, I didn't turn professional until I was 28, I think. Wow. Um, when was your first uh, amateur fight? I think I was like 20, 26. Really? Yeah. So when did you start training? Well, so I did Taekwondo since I was a little kid. Started at 12 years old doing that and competed Junior Olympics, Olympics, you know, wearing the hogus and all that kind of stuff. Did all the traditional Taekwondo tournaments. And I used to get kicked out of some of these things because I'd throw punches or I'd <laughs> throw too hard. Like I remember one time my mom ended up getting into this huge argument with this guy because I was hitting her son too hard in a martial arts competition. Oh, God. But parents. I did, oh, dude. 
<laughs> and my Sports mom is parents. like the sweetest woman in the world. But as soon as somebody talks ill of me or steps to me, my mom's ready to throw down. She's the one who taught me how to fight, man. Wow. Yeah, I got I, I got stories about mom, but I did that all the way through until I was in college. And you were, and then um, I went to acting school. Yeah, you were a theater major. I went to school for theater. Yeah, yeah. and I kind of stopped training hardcore, but still taught karate at the school that I got my black belt at when I was a kid. While while going to school in Philly for acting, I was still teaching the little kids. Oh. And then I was working professionally in like the Philadelphia theater scene, which isn't anything major, but there's some good professional theater companies there. I was doing that for a little while. And in the summers, the theaters, they're, they're dark. There's not much going on. And a buddy of mine that I used to train with took an amateur fight. And I used to kind of get the better of him. And he went and did well on this amateur fight down in, uh, down in Atlantic City. New breed fighting is what it was called. And I was like, I could... I could do that. So I waited a whole year, did the next summer, signed up for one of those fights. And dude, that was it. That walkout, the crowd, like all your friends and family being there, you're walking out to fight somebody else. I I remember having migraines. I remember like vomiting afterwards. I was so anxious, so nervous. And I won. And I remember telling all my acting friends at the time we were we were drinking in like the back of somebody's uh, like South Philly row home, and they're like, "That was crazy, man. Are you done?" And I was like, "Fuck no!" I was like, "I have to do that again, and I have to do it better than I did that time." And so a year later, I signed up for another one, following summer, new breed, but I knew what to do now. So I trained properly. I went to a Muay Thai school to train for it. I did jujitsu for it, and I beat the crap out of this kid in my second fight. Leg kicked the dog shit out of him and it was a decision but I was like all right that was cleaner then I did another one and now I thought I was too cool for school and I got choked out in my third amateur fight got triangle choked by this kid Max Bohannon who was like a prodigy from um he was from um Ricardo Almeida school and trained with him and he choked the shit out of me and then I was like okay now I got to start doing real grappling and real jujitsu. And I started training with jujitsu schools and stuff like that. And I did one more amateur fight, a spinning back kick to the liver. I knocked this kid out in my fourth amateur fight. And then I went pro because the rules in PA, shin guards, mm. big, huge, puffy gloves, two-minute rounds. Mm. What the hell are you supposed to do as a striker with two minutes? You're a wrestler. You get one takedown, you won the round. That's yeah. it. So when I turned pro, I was like, okay, I'll do one pro fight. Just to say I was a pro athlete, you know, just to say that I did it. <laughs> Honest to God, that's why I did it. I was like, I'm going to go back to acting. And I was still doing professional shows in between getting ready for fights. Won the fight, flying knee, TKO the dude. They took him out on a stretcher. It was for CFFC. They had to stop the show because they only had one ambulance. Oh, wow. So the ambulance had to take the guy and shout out to him, Toomey Goodrum. You're still the man. But they took him out. And uh, they had to wait for the ambulance to come back. So I'd, I'd stopped the show in my first uh, <laughs> wow, my first pro fight. One yeah. ambulance? And it took him out on a, yeah, they took him out on a stretcher. No, but I mean one ambulance. One ambulance, yeah, crazy. and they never did that again. Yeah. They never did that again. <laughs> I, you know, if anything, I, I show them you need to have two ambulances at these things. So you get some fights in some small organizations. Yeah. And then how mainly old? Mainly Cage Fury, who, uh, you know... Thank God that's that's kind of who I stumbled upon. So I was already kind of with one of the better regional promotions to begin with. I lucked out with that. I fought in Pittsburgh, I think, once or twice. And then um, 
Yeah, and I fought for CFFC. And how many fights did you have before you got into the UFC? I was eight no. I was eight no when I got when I got signed. I uh, I think I had like six knockouts, a bunch in the first round, and that's when I started putting the acting like way on the on the back burner. I was like, wow, I'm, I might actually be able to get into the UFC. It was that that was never. I mean, never the goal was was to get in the UFC from the beginning. But then once I started winning, I always trained my ass off, you know, j- just like I am with triathlon or with ev- whether it be acting, whether it be fighting, commentary. Like, I'm trying to put myself into it. And uh, it, the wind started coming, and then I remember I knocked out um, this kid in, in um, Atlantic City in my last fight with CFFC, a spinning hook kick to the... Yeah, this is... This is yeah. the, Bam! Oh, and look, I I got more damage from the ref throwing me into the into the cage than I did in that whole fight. What did you weigh here? That's one fifty five. I was just smaller. <clears throat> you know, years, Shredded. dude. Think about year, like you know how it is. Yeah. The the years and years of you doing strength and conditioning and you building up those muscles and your bones get denser and stuff yeah. like that. So I mean, by the time I got to the UFC, plus. The lightweights were so big. I remember thinking, like, I have to be, I have to be bigger than these guys. And I had mm. this complex that I had to weigh so much, so I'd go and get so fat in between fights. And I'm t- that's one regret I have. Looking back, I would have stayed leaner and in better shape all year round, and not done the drastic weight cuts that I did. Um, Is that like the thing that you worry the most about? We were talking about that earlier. Well, I know for sure that I've hurt my kidneys. Yeah. Uh, to the point where even after fights, like I've had rhabdo after mm. the Dan Hooker fight, I was like peeing Coca Cola, and they made me stay in the hospital for <clears throat> like uh, an extra day or two to monitor my kidneys. I almost Oof. had, um, I almost had compartment syndrome from that fight. They were going to have to slice my calf open. I've obviously lost a piece of my lung in the James Vick fight. Um, How'd that happen? The end of the fight, he knees me, and it pushed in my ribcage. A lot of people thought my ribcage broke. It didn't. Nothing broke. But I had a, they call it like a bleb on your lung that you would know, you would only know about if somebody went in there or something happened to it. So it's like a bubble that naturally forms on your lungs. And it's, it's okay unless something hits it. Well, that knee just so happened to hit right on that spot. And it just so happened that I had this thing on my lung and it burst. Whoa. So it, it collapsed my lung. And since it collapsed, that part of my lung was then damaged. And it wouldn't normally, if you like fall really hard doing snowboarding or something like that, or if, you know, if you're rock climbing, you fall and you land on your, your ribs, you can, you can puncture them by breaking your ribs or you can just, the impact can kind of almost like blow it out. And a lot of times they'll go back on their own. Like they'll, they'll reinflate. Your, your lungs will kind of heal themselves. Or they put, they call it like a pigtail or something. They inserted this, this tube down into my lung, which was like a vacuum. It would suck the air around my lung and my chest wall out, forcing the lung to go back around where it was supposed to. And that wouldn't work. So like three days went by. They did that for a couple of days, wouldn't work. And then finally the surgeons came in. They're like, we're going to have to go in, find where the bleb was, cut it out, staple your lung shut, and then adhere your lung to your chest wall. So my left lung is attached to my 
the inside of my chest wall. Mm. Like an elephant. Apparently elephants, their their lungs are actually atta- attached to the inside of their chest wall. So this lung, like if you stab me here, and it, like I, it would never fully collapse again. Wow. I'm like a superhero Does on the side. Does it change the way? <laughs> Except for the inch that I'm move? missing from it. Does it change the way your body moves? Do you feel it? No, I, I will get a cramp every now and then in the surgery area that they have. I still have a scar. It goes right mm. across, like like Jesus, like where they. Mm. It's like right along here. Wow, that was miserable, dude. That and that was one, that's one of the many things. I know we kind of went on a tangent, but retirement was like I can't. You I broke just, your I, forearm in the Mike Perry broke fight. Broke my forearm in that one. You guys called that one nice. You could yeah. tell by the way I was I was holding my hand funny, and I remember in, in between rounds going like this, and I could feel the bones crunching together on the side. And I told That's Duke, so I was like, he's like, I know, baby, I know. It's so know. common with those spinning back fists. Yeah. So common. You hit, hit And then the you forehead. know what's dumber is throwing it like eight more times in the same <laughs> fight. And I remember you and, I think it was you and Dom, like, oh, God. <laughs> Stop throwing that arm. How but many it's people instinctual. So many people have shattered their forearm. Dom, Dom had done that in training. Really? Which is why when he's calling with you, he's... He's going, oh, because he knows exactly yeah. what it feels like. Yeah. Stupid, man. Yeah, spinning back fist and catching that forearm to the forehead. Right on so the forearm. Common. Just snaps it in half. I, I mean, it's such a, obviously, Your forehead vulnerable. is freaking dense. Yeah, you get that. You get a lot of breaks from uh, checking kicks incorrectly or yeah. blocking kicks incorrectly. I love that. You know what I regret never getting injury-wise? I know it sounds silly to say, but... The slices on the shin that you see all these guys getting from checking <laughs> kicks and your shin is just like <clears throat> pouring blood. Bro, whose oh, shins are harder than Jan Bohovich? <sighs> that Ankalaya fight, and he's just he like going shin to shin with him? Yeah. Like, holy fuck, man. It's Polish guys, man. But it's him. I don't know if it's all Polish guys, but that motherfucker is made out of wood. Yeah. He, he's different. Yeah, he, he just went shin to shin with him. He doesn't care. Yeah, I mean, that that was very, very impressive. Because we were like, this is crazy. That He's, hurts, man. Yeah. You've done, you've gone oh, yeah. shins. It hurts. Horrible. And he's just cracking them. Yeah. Just getting in there with it. It's like you know? baseball, two baseball bats just. Yeah. And people, I, it's like you, you when you see people kind of criticize, oh, the leg kicks are not that bad. It's like. Oh, you don't know. But you have no idea. Anybody who says that, let me kick you. Just one time. Just let me kick you one time. One time. I won't even do it all the way. No. I'll, I'll kick 20%? you 50%. Yeah, yeah not even 20. They give somebody 20%. 50. They deserve 50. Imagine the calf kick. Give, oh. give, them, give them just 20% of a calf kick. It's like, do you like walking? I've only been calf kicked fucking around. I've never I never calf, calf kicked either in training or <laughs> in a fight because there was no calf kicks back then. Like Bisping told me he went his entire career without getting calf no, kicks. No, of course, yeah. Which it's, is crazy. The first time that I had actually, the first time I ever experienced it was when I fought... Um, you remember Mark Stevens from The Ultimate Fighter? No. Way back in the day. You, 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 he was on like Team Koscheck. I fought him outside of the UFC before I got in. And he was training down at ATT. And those guys have been throwing that calf kick for a long time. And he, was, he probably landed about four or five. And I remember thinking, like, what the fuck is he doing? Mm. He's missing my thigh. Right. But then I remember, like, kind of moving around in the second round like holy shit this is cramping up really bad and luckily luckily i got him out of there but that was the first and then dan hooker was the other time that i had dan really Hooker's been very good at it he's very good because he just places it mm-hmm. he just touches you 
And you're like, oh, that wasn't that hard. <clears throat> Benson <clears throat> Henderson was the first. Yeah. He was the first guy that I ever saw use it he in also the UFC. would punch you in the thigh. Mm-hmm. I don't know how effective that one that... was. <laughs> Anderson used to do that, too, for fucking around. But but Benson was the first guy that I ever saw that like regularly threw calf kicks. But for whatever reason, it didn't have the kind of effect that you're seeing with guys now. Where yeah. You, I don't know what it is. I don't know if, it's the, if they're placing it more effectively on... Because where it really hurts is like right next to your shin bone, mm, like that. Yeah. Just all that the meat and the nerves that goes right along your the bone. So it looks like a lot of times you'll hear guys, "Oh, nice check." It's like he didn't check that because mm. all it, it just has to touch that muscle on the side of your shin bone. So it looks like you checked it. Yeah. It well, I think the the casuals got woken up to it in the Dustin Poirier Conor McGregor fight. Yeah, in that fight where you, where you just see how he's just so compromised, and even fights where you don't think that the guy's compromised, like Adesanya Pajera, mm-hmm. Israel said after the fight, he's like, "He fucked my leg up. My leg yeah, was." Yeah, you useless. watch it in the replay. Yeah. I didn't notice it even because I was upstairs watching it. Mm-hmm. And then when they started showing the highlights later on, I was like, "Wow, he like went down from the one check too." Mm-hmm. So yeah. he checked it really weird, and well, he kind of like got tripped kicked. over his foot, yeah. and then went down. So we said, "Oh, he just stumbled," but it was really because his leg wasn't working well anymore. Already, yeah, yeah. It was the first round. I went and I've watched that fight several times, and uh, apparently, so has uh, Alex Pereira yeah. made, made Glover watch it every oh, time he really? comes over. He put, apparently he puts <laughs> it on. Yeah, um, I watched yeah. it again, and it's that first round. That first round, he fucking really chops at it. He's got a very strange style. It's very uniquely Pareda? his. Yeah, the stand-up style. It's very different. Like his hands, he he stands like this. He's just freakishly long yeah. and big for that weight class. And his power is preposterous. You can t- you ever see some of those guys? Like when you look at certain skinny guys, and I'm not calling him. He's not like a. He's lean, but he's lean and you, tall and lean. Those guys are the guys I worry about mm. because. It's those guys that hit freakishly hard that it's the, the big muscle guys. You know that guy's going to hit you hard. But it's these sneaky, tall, lean guys, Those Tommy man. Hearns looking yeah. dudes. Yeah, and they yeah. just, they when mm-hmm. they turn into those hooks, his mm-hmm. left hook. So much torque and leverage. His fucking left hook is a thing of beauty, man. It yeah. really is. I mean, his, uh, everything is fucking sick. Scary dude. He's such a scary guy. And the high-level kickboxing experience that he has, like coming over from glory, I'm, you know, I'm very interested to see what Israel does different in the mm-hmm. second fight, but I'm really interested in seeing him against someone who can wrestle. That's what I'm that, really interested in. I was just going to say, it's kind of working out perfectly for Alex where you get another you get another shot. Yeah. You know, you, you get to go and face Israel again. That's the best matchup for you. you got a guy that is mm-hmm. probably going to stand with you mm-hmm. for as long as the fight lasts. Yeah. When he's really going to get challenged is when he has somebody that's going to say, that Marvin Vittori. I'm yeah. yeah I'm gonna grapple your ass. Yeah. I'm gonna pressure you up against the fence. Mm-hmm. And for guys like Vittori, it's got to be like, all right, he, they want him to stay the champ. Yeah, because Izzy already had their number, and he's been there. But as long as Pereira's in there, another kickboxer, but with a different style, maybe not as much experience in the grappling department, they're chomping at the bit to get in there. Well, not how not chomping at the bit they are. He's yeah. fucking scary. Robert Whitaker. You know, Whitaker's very well rounded. He's yeah. he's an interesting matchup for him. There's there's very good matchups in that one hundred and eighty five pound division, but in my opinion, what's interesting is he's a specialist. He's like a pure specialist. Yeah. I mean, he's he can grapple a little bit, 
But that's not what he wants to do. He wants to knock your fucking head into the bleachers. Yeah, and you know it going yeah. in. You yeah. know that's what he wants to do to you. We just try to. I mean, Izzy was winning that fight, and mm-hmm. he still got him out of there. Yep. Well, I couldn't believe it. I remember even saying to people when we were watching it up in the ESPN desk, we're like, man, could you imagine if he pulls it off here in the end? And he fucking did it. Yeah, he did it. Izzy was probably ahead three. Well, what? how many rounds do you think he was ahead going into that fifth round? That was the fifth. And I think even that round was was that who? I don't, I don't remember now. Well, Izzy definitely won the first and almost knocked him out. I think he had probably two or three rounds. Yeah, it's hard, hard to say. I'd have to go back and try to score it. Which I'm terrible at, man. People are always like, yeah. what did you think? I'm like, I'm calling the fight. Yeah, you can't call it's and not score the at the same time. They don't get it. When you're scoring a fight, you should shut oh, your you mouth. Go. Okay, here we go. So uh, Izzy had three rounds on Eric Colon's card. On Sal Diamata's card, he had uh, three rounds. And he also had Everybody. three rounds yeah. on Mike Bell's. Yeah, so he all had All the that. same, too. All he had to do was move around. Yep. All and he not, had to do is not move get around. caught. Not get caught, and he wins that fight. Wow. I'm very interested in the rematch. Very in- because you got to think Izzy almost had him out in the first round, man. He almost had him out. If he can avoid getting that leg compromised like he did in the first round of that fight, and so he's got his movement, and he also had some great moments grappling, which surprised a lot of people. Yeah, when he had Pajero's well, back, and if there's a time that you're gonna. Pull yeah. out some grappling. Yeah. It's in that matchup. It's with that dude, and he's been at it longer yeah. than Pereira. So it's like that's the yeah. time to show. And he did. Yeah, both guys did. Both guys, I think, scored takedowns at yep. one point or another in that fight. I remember being like, "Oh, now they're now they're wrestlers in here." You, yeah. know, you get two guys that know they can knock the crap out of each other, and suddenly everybody knows how to do a little bit of wrestling. Well, just you know, the mixing it up, just keeping someone guessing, overload overload their brain. Yeah, twenty five minutes yeah. of avoiding that left hook. Whew. <sighs> Scary proposition. It's everything, man. Everything he hits you with is hard. That's what I'm talking about. Those lean guys like yeah. that. You know those shins hurt. Mm-hmm. You know if he lands an elbow on you. Same as Izzy. Mm-hmm. They're similar build, on, yeah. but Alex well, has more muscle bit, on him. He's quite a bit bigger. I mean, I think Pajeda, when he actually weighed into the fight, was above 220. Yeah. When he was inside the octagon for the fight, was above 220. Whereas you got to remember when Izzy fought Jan Bohovich for the light heavyweight title, he was only 194. Yeah. I mean, Izzy is Izzy's one of those guys that. He's not cutting that much weight. He, he's not cutting any weight. And even when he wanted to go up to light heavyweight, he's like, I'm not cutting any weight. I'm no. going to fight as I fight. Which makes sense. You know, especially if you're not planning on making that transition mm-hmm. permanently, you don't want to go and add on all that size. And the other right. thing that drives me nuts about when I hear these fighters and. I think it's really the strength and conditioning coaches feeding bullshit more than it is the fighters. They're just listening to what they're being told. But you don't put on 20 pounds of muscle in a month. You ever hear these guys in fighter meetings? We'll be talking to them and be like, well, you know, I put on about 10 pounds of lean muscle mass for this camp. I'm like, this particular camp, in six you've weeks, put on 10 pounds. 10 pounds of muscle mass. How are you going to pass your piss test? <laughs> yeah. What do you, um, uh, what supplements right. are you taking for that? Hair quotes, air yeah. quotes, supplements. Like, get the yeah. fuck out. You didn't put on 10 pounds of muscle. Yeah. That's a lot. You're of out weight. of your mind. Yeah. Yeah. You probably gained some water weight. And it's also, it's like, you got stronger. What kind of scanning are they doing of their body composition before they say these things? Are it's they the doing... coach doing the eyeball scan saying that you put on 10 pounds of muscle for this one. <laughs> Well, you know, I always go back to the Roy Jones Jr. Um, 
uh, Ruiz fight, when he fought John Ruiz, he went up to heavyweight, remember? Yeah. And he got very muscular. He was real big. He was about, I mean, he wasn't too heavy for a heavyweight. I, th- I want to say Roy weighed like 200 pounds, just a little over 200 pounds maybe. See what, what he weighed for that John Ruiz fight. Does it say? 193. Oh, was it really? That's all he weighed? Well, the heavyweight for bo- for what, what the that heavyweight that, for boxing I think that's is different. Now right? they're saying now he weighs one ninety three. <clears throat> what did he weigh when he fought John Ruiz? So it just uh, does it say there? Oh, he said he weighed one ninety three, and Ruiz was two twenty six. Two twenty six. Yeah, interesting. But you know, Roy was so fucking talented. But when Roy went down in weight and then fought Tarver in his next fight, he looked deflated. Yeah. He looked like he had just really drained himself to make that weight cut. Yeah, that's why you see these guys yeah. drop down, man. It's looked terrible and then got knocked out. Very few people can do it. Jose Aldo, somehow. Mm-hmm. I don't know. How he's came doing. down and... Looked great. Still look good. I think what happened with Aldo is he never really had a, a serious nutritionist. Yeah. Where someone was like planning his meals... Breaking it down by calories. And he was just cutting all that weight yeah, for yeah. the 45. And it's like, well, you could have been a lot smaller way before you even got to that weight cut. Because rem- um, I remember when he was at the, the top of the heap at 145, he was heavy, man. Yeah, he was, he was walking around He was struggling to make mm-hmm. those weight mm-hmm. cuts. So it's yeah. like, and when, when he said he was going down to Bantam weight, it's like, well, how are you going to go down to Bantam weight? You, were, you used to struggle to make 145 pounds. Yeah. Lifestyle changes. Yeah. yeah, lifestyle changes. And some guys, that's the move. And some guys, you know, it just ruins them because they just, they, they drain so much out of their body. They're, they don't, they're not durable anymore. Yeah. I joked about, I've talked to like Nick Sick and Brian Butler, my manager. I'm like, well, maybe I'll come back on 145. And they're <laughs> like, yeah, yeah, yeah. And I talked to Ian Larios, who does all my weight cuts. He's like, are you out of your mind dude he's like just because you're skinnier now doesn't mean you can drop a whole weight class and have no uh, trouble making that weight were you thinking about it at one point in time of doing one more fight oh man I've, th- I've thought about it many many times did you think about it after Oliveira became the champ because when you beat Oliveira he the- was not yeah he um you know not really because we we're on such different trajectories it's like just because I at the time I had a win, which I loved having over him. I loved being the last guy that had beaten the champion, which is no longer the case. But uh, like for me to come back and think I'm going to even come close to getting that matchup, it's like, well, that's not going to happen. I'm going to have to win and beat all these insane, hungry contenders before I even get to sniff at that, that belt. So He was an interesting case. He still is an interesting case because... He was a guy who was kind of known as a guy who fell apart. A quitter a little yeah. bit. Yeah. Cub Swanson knocked him out. A, guy, a bunch of guys had beat Max him. Max Holloway had like yeah. that weird mm-hmm. neck thing going on. What happened to Max Holloway fight? Remember he had like a weird uh, stinger almost in his neck, I think. And I he kind of just crumbled in the corner and, and like tapped out. I think it was a legit thing with his Oh, with yeah. His neck. Oh, yeah, I remember that. It was kind of scary. I forgot about that. Yeah, man. But, I, but then everybody stingers. was calling him a quitter, all yeah. this, and it's like... And he just turned a corner and then became the baddest motherfucker in the weight class. Yeah. And not just the baddest motherfucker in the weight class, but one of the best motherfuckers in the sport. When I, he was not, when he knocked out Chandler and he beat the shit out of Gaethje, <sighs> when, he, when he was putting it on people, you got to go, God damn, he's good. I'm curious to see if he comes back. And gets back to that Islam fight. 
because he seems to want it. At first, it didn't seem like, like after you've been there with Islam, I think a lot of people go, I don't know if I want to get back in there right away. And then you think think about it for a while. What's it say here? Oliveira suffered a micro tear in his esophagus. Wow. And you know what that was probably due to? He said he's injured his neck in training, but did physical therapy and thought everything was fine. What do you think it's probably all all of the um, weight cuts that he had been doing to make 145 pounds back in the day? That's right, the 45. Now he probably heard it in training, legit. Yeah. But when you're constantly dehydrating yourself, camp Mm -hmm. after camp after camp, and I remember when he fought me, he was still trying to go back down to 145 pounds, which is why he wasn't as big. I mean, I must have been 20 pounds heavier than him when I fought him back then. And so then he made a conscious decision. To yeah, stay at he said, "I'm gonna, I'm gonna stay here because they told him you have no choice. So like, you're either gonna fight in this weight class or you're gonna keep missing and screwing yourself over." It's at crazy 45. because his power developed. Like when he hit Gagey, Gagey said, "No one ever hit him that hard before." He said he felt it in his teeth. I mean, he, even back in the day when he was still Mister Skinny Charles Oliveira, and he kicked me a few times. I remember being like, "God damn." I thought I was going to buzzsaw through this guy on the feet, and he lands a few shots. And you could see where that strength was there. That, again, another one of those just wiry guys mm-hmm. where you kind of underestimate their power, and then they hit you, and you're like, Jesus Christ. Long lean. It's a great build for fighting. You look at some of the great fighters of our time, like the long lean guys. It's the best yeah, it's build, the, it's, in my opinion. Because you have the reach advantage. The Having, reach, jujitsu. Mm-hmm. You can wrap everybody up. You can sneak your arms mm-hmm. in through your... You're you're not as bulky, which maybe you don't have as much of that brunt f- kind of power that some of the guys that are shorter and stockier would have in the division. But I think that long lean muscle for MMA is is the way to be. And I was just short and stumpy. I had no I have no reach, n- none of those benefits, unfortunately. Yeah, but then look at Mighty Mouse. He's short and stumpy too, and he's the greatest of all time. Yeah, if not the greatest, he's in the conversation. I mean, I don't think there's one real greatest of all time. Khabib is most certainly in the conversation. John Jones. John Jones, for sure. John Jones has got the perfect build. Perfect build. How is that going to translate to heavyweight? It's very interesting because everybody else has the perfect build up there, too. Yeah. It's a different world when you're dealing with natural 245s, natural 260s. I was really looking forward to him and Francis. I I think everybody was, man. I got real bummed out when they didn't make that happen. Yeah, I think Francis just sees that pot of gold at the end of the boxing rainbow <laughs> and is like, you know what? I'm going to make some fucking money. And my hope is, here's my hope. Here's the perfect world. The perfect world is he goes over, has some big money heavyweight boxing fight. John Jones and Cyril Gaon have a fight. John wins, Cyril wins, whoever wins is the UFC champion, and then they have comes back, and then Francis comes back. Yeah, like, I'd he like can, to see him He come can back. totally come back. It's like, Francis, if you're listening, sir, please you can don't don't sign an exclusive contract. Just go no, make some there's money. No way, right? He would. Who knows if someone comes along and offers him a shit ton of money? Yeah. Look, I mean, he should. If someone says, "Hey, I'll give you a hundred million dollars," yeah, you do whatever. You yeah, do whatever. You say, "Okay, what do I got to do? Fight Jake Paul? What the, <laughs> fuck, what the fuck do I have to do?" You know what I mean? Like, if if they're gonna offer him big money, but I think they're trying to do a Tyson Fury fight. I know Tyson Fury was saying a bunch of crazy shit, like, "We'll fight, MMA we'll gloves. fight in a cage." The yeah. regular with boxing rules, MMA. Mike gloves. Tyson is the referee. He's saying, yeah. Why, why is that? Like, why is that? <laughs> Could mean that would be more people would buy it. I mean, that's uh, yeah. that's just uh, getting a bunch of people to buy it. You Make know, as much 
money as they humanly can. I mean, the, Tyson, people need to understand the levels of boxing, though. You gotta understand. I mean, t- listen, Francis Ngannou could knock out any human being on earth if he can hit them clean on the chin. But yeah. good luck hitting Tyson Fury clean on the chin, bro. Did you see Floyd Mayweather, Mayweather sparring yesterday? He made that kid. I don't know who that kid is. Well, the kid is like a decent boxer. Yeah, decent and boxer. That just shows you right yeah. there. I mean, he was. I just saw it yesterday. I was watching, and he was just and he talking playing with bang, him. Yeah, bang, playing bang. with him and moving away from oh him, God. and you know, and the kid, whoever this guy is, I guess he's a YouTuber. Yeah. Oh, really? Uh, do you know who he is, Jamie? Looking right now, I didn't know. The kid had an excellent account of himself because even though Floyd was tagging him, he didn't shy away. He he kept moving forward. He was just. And you can't get frustrated. Like the, the worst thing you can do. When Floyd's talking shit to you like that, yeah. is rush him, right? Because you're gonna you're gonna walk onto a right hand, and you're gonna look yeah. like an you're gonna look like an idiot. So he's still. I mean, he's like 50 years old. I mean, it's amazing. His understanding of where the punches oh, look are at coming. That. Look the, at that this. fucking counter. His understanding of is that the dude he yeah, boxed? Yeah, he's talking about the video. Oh, so let's he hear him say it. it. What he's saying. <laughs> Ooh. Oh my god, I didn't even see that. That was like <laughs> a perfect body shot. Look, it's coming. And he touched oh you with that. Days. Yeah, just touched him. Go, oh, Jesus. That's funny. That if he wanted to take you down deal. with that, that liver shot, he would have taken you down. Yeah, easily. He's just tapping him up. But it's uh, that guy's got a great uh, sense of humor about it. It's very funny how he's laughing about it. <laughs> but, um, you know, I mean, you got to think this guy is 50 years old. I mean, how old is Floyd now? He's got to be close He's to gotta 50. He's got to be late 40s, 48. Yeah, late 40s. Kid was 21. And at this point in time, 45. 45? Sorry, 45? Floyd. I didn't mean Sorry, to age you. Sorry, Floyd. But, I mean, past his, par- his prime and still just making millions of dollars fighting people that have fights. no business. <laughs> He's really brilliant. What he's doing is brilliant because he... he Gets these guys to fight him. They have no business fighting him. He's making millions of dollars. Yeah. He puts on a show. Do you see the one he did? Uh, I guess it was in, was it in Dubai? Where he, he took the ring card and he was walking around in between rounds holding the ring card. Oh, my God. He I took didn't it from see that the ring one. card girl. He was just having a blast. I saw the one a while back. He fought that kickboxer kid. Oh, uh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, That yeah. was like the Tension. first time he had done Tension one of those. Yeah. yeah, one of those like big exhibitions. And it's just like he's just going to make you look silly. So- fought 126. Like, Tension's a tiny guy. Yeah. He's a brilliant kickboxer. But without kicking. Yeah, without the kicking. he got no chance. I know. He might not even have a chance. He has a chance of kicking. You imagine they let him leg kick Floyd? That's the only way I'm getting in there. <laughs> can, can I yeah. elbow? How about this? Can I, I knee you? I get 10 leg kicks around. <laughs> That's, I, I give me give me one right. Give one me around. one. Yeah. yeah. If I land, uh, you know, I don't want to. Oh, you get those juices flowing again. Yeah. I, let's yeah. go. Yeah. I do, man. It's um, it's hard. It's a it's a, especially since we do commentary, right? So I'm around these elite fighters all the time, and I try to be respect but you can tell sometimes somebody will get sassy or have a comment about what i said and it's like man don't don't forget that i've been in there too man like i know everything that's going on there i've had my ass beat i've beaten some good dudes i've never was champion that's the only thing sometimes i feel a little bit of um what's the what's the word where you uh uh like you feel like you're 
Imposter syndrome? Yes. Yeah. Like, I don't deserve to be there sometimes because you got Dom next to me. He's champ, WEC champ. I got DC's double champ next to me. Well, what about me? I never even fought MMA. Yeah, but you're there day one. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, but it's you do a great job. You, you shouldn't have imposter syndrome. And you are absolutely a legitimate, like, top-flight professional fighter. It's just... Um, that sport is always going to have sensitive people when, you know, you dedicate your entire life to yeah. this one moment and then someone's criticizing it and saying, oh, he could have done this and he could have done that. Yeah. And they're like, fuck you, Paul Felder. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I've had to uh, to take some Joe Rogan lessons on not not reading the comments and yeah. not doing all that stuff because- Everyone should listen to me about that. For the longest time, I would get, man, and I'd get into these arguments and you- you can't win because you've already lost. Mm -hmm. the The second you type it in and send it, they yeah. just won. Yeah, you lost right away. You, and you, you also lost, lost really letting it get to you is yeah. the the first loss. There's no, there's nothing at stake, so you can't win anything. No, there's what no, are you gonna do? no way Be to win. Yeah. I'll beat you up, internet guy. I say that, but then there's Gordon Ryan who loves to fucking go back and forth with people online. But which does is he have hilarious. fun doing it? He does. Okay. He's a sometimes psych, he's a I can, legitimate psycho but, though. But as long as you can enjoy, yeah, well, he's a real psycho. As long as you can enjoy it, yeah. Well, I started to get it. mad. He enjoys it. He gets a kick out of it. He doesn't give a fuck. Like you can't hurt his feelings like that. Well, because I mean, you're, you're like, what are you gonna do? You're right. What, first of all, where's the trash talk even coming from with a guy like that? Right. Like, what are you saying to him? Right. Oh, that he's not the best. Fifty in a row. <laughs> oh, you, you can't heal hook everybody. Shit, you're the greatest of all time. Whatever. If you're you a beautiful, suck, handsome, tall, good-looking guy built like got a Greek god. Fuck abs. off. Hate your abs. Yeah. Probably so you can want to suck dick. <laughs> yeah, it's um, it's an interesting thing, that social media. Because I've seen it ruin people's lives. I've seen uh, some fighters, uh, they get into it with people on social media, and they're going back and forth all the time. And I'm, I know that's fucking with their head. I know they're probably thinking about that where they're hitting pads. They're thinking yep. about some mean thing that someone said to yeah. them. Or someone posts a, a gift. I remember people used to fuck with Rashad Evans. There was that photo of him when Leota Machida knocked him out, and mm -hmm. it was like his eyeballs were rolled back in his yep. head. And some guy came up to him at uh, one to of them. To sign it? Yeah. Yeah. And he crumpled it up and threw it at him. Should have just signed it. Yeah. yeah. Well, I don't know. Like you, you gotta, you're in there with, you're standing right next to a lion. Yeah. Like how about you watch your fucking mouth? You think you're cute to go up to Rashad Evans and put put a picture of him being knocked yeah, out? Yeah. You think that's cute? He'll do. He'll rip your fucking head off your body. How about that? He's a much calmer man these days, man. Oh my God, he's so he went chill on now. Psychedelic journey. Yeah. He became a different human. It's so funny to see him like just just his his energy in yeah. the, in the backstage area is just so calm now. And I'm like, well, dude, I remember hanging now. out with you. Yeah, that's what it does. It you turn into a fucking giraffe. <laughs> that's the one thing I, <laughs> I I can't. John Gooden too. I I can't I can't. I just can't get on that on that bandwagon. I don't think it's good for you. I, I mean, it might be okay for some people. But it's not. I don't believe it's the optimum diet, and this is, comes from many, many, many conversations with nutritionists. Yeah, and I, I, and and vegans too, and trying to listen to people that are vegan. You can do it and pull it off, but you have to really be careful, and you have to really mind your macronutrients and really yeah, pay attention. Yeah, because it just seems so in. easy to take way too much of uh, uh, of you know processed shit. 
It's not just that. You definitely could do that, but it's also your body's not absorbing. Like when people go, you can't go one-to-one with animal products versus like broccoli. Like if you say like, oh, I got 25 grams of protein from broccoli. No, you didn't. Because mm, yeah. your body's not absorbing it the same. Yeah, with all that fiber, yeah. you're, gonna, you're just going to be farting the whole time. That's what's going to end up happening. the whole time. But some people have done it right. They can do it. It can be done right. I just don't think it's the optimal diet. You know, I, I really believe that uh, red meat and, and, you know, this is very controversial, but it's backed up by science. It, it really is. Uh, red meat is one of the most nu- nutrient-dense foods. Yeah. And no, uh, yeah. all of our ideas about what's bad and what's good, we've been hoodwinked. We've been hoodwinked by uh, a bunch of fucked up studies that were conducted by the sugar companies because they paid scientists off to lie about the dangers of saturated fat. And that is just in everyone's consciousness. Yep. And then, you know, there's all these people, what about your cholesterol? What about that? What about this? What about that? I get my blood work done all the time. I'm healthy as fuck. Yeah. And so you know, and yeah. you are eating yeah. a lot of red meat. I'm eating mostly meat. All of yeah. January, I, I go on the carnivore diet. <sighs> I do it every year. I just all January, I eat nothing but meat. I feel fucking You don't crave great. like, uh, I, do well, crave. I guess you do, yeah. I do cheat. I cheat yeah. a couple times. What's, your, what's your go-to? I ate sushi. Oh. I had some sushi. That was really good. Uh, it's, but it's just rice. I cheated with rice. I cheated Dude, rice a little is, bit. Rice is my favorite thing in the planet. I had dessert three times this month. Mm. Yeah. Um, and uh, I had a piece of bread yesterday. Fuck yeah. <laughs> I love bread, dude. I do too. I love it. I had a steak and I was like, one piece of bread's not going to fucking kill me. You know what I want after the steak? What? Some bread. Yes. After the steak? No, I'm just saying. I, oh. I, I always want bread now. Mm. Uh, I love bread. Bread with butter. It's <sighs> fucking goddamn it's so you good. You know what? Warm, warm bread. Have you ever mm. heard of this? When I was a kid, if we had anything with gravy for dinner, we would do bread and gravy afterwards, oh, yeah. right? You just oh, yeah. my dad would go to the kitchen, grab the biggest thing of white bread that we had, put a pile on it. Anybody want some bread and gravy? Just and we would just up. sit there, grab mm-hmm. the gravy, oh yeah, pour it all over bread. Well, you know, I'm Italian, and my my grandparents used to live in this uh, very Italian neighborhood in New Jersey. That eventually wasn't Italian, but they had these uh, Italian bakeries, and we would go. I'd go walk with my grandfather to this bakery. He'd go to the bakery every couple of days and buy a couple of loaves of bread. Yeah, and it was the freshest bread, and you'd, you'd carve into it. Yeah, and my man. grandmother Jersey, would make Philly, homemade uh, uh, New York pasta sauce. Yeah, and oh my god, that's the my marinara. favorite thing in the world. Oh, oh dude. dip it in there with butter while it's butter still and marinara bubbling oh. away. Oh, and you have a side of bread. Oh. slather that with oh. some. Butter and right into the pot. Almost right scold your whole face oh, off, but it's just whatever. So good. I'm going in. So good. Oh. I mean, I know it's terrible for you, but like, like, look, you're from Philly. A fucking cheesesteak sub. Yeah, a good real <laughs> good one. A real good one with just fucking hot and you rip it apart at the yeah. middle and take a bite into it. And just the crunch of the bread on the outside and the juiciness. It's oh, the it's bread, everything. man. Yeah. Even our like all the hoagies and stuff like that. You get the like the hard seeded rolls. That's mm, the way to look go. Look at hey. that. Jesus, look at that. That looks. Eat good. that, Bilal. Oh, that looks so. Philly good. doesn't suck. Chicago sucks. Go birds. Look how good that looks. God, that looks good. That's what the that's Wiz Wit right there. Uh, that's well, Wiz Wit. It's funny how Philly became like known for cheesesteaks. Yeah. Like that is the food of Philadelphia. <laughs> Right? If you if you ask someone like I don't think there's another place like that in terms of like a sandwich 
that's completely connected to one city. Yeah. Where, uh, n- name yeah. another place. No. I can't. I guess. Like I get you got Chicago's got the uh, deep dish. Like and they and what's their they do like the they do a beef sandwich too in Chicago. Like yeah uh, yeah but yeah, it's not yeah. but but it's not not like, as famous as a, no. a cheesesteak. Philly's like synonymous with cheesesteaks and Jim's, which is was was always my favorite spot on South Street. That's just like burned down not too long ago. I, I don't even think it's back up and running. And then obviously Pat's and Gino's are just like the the kind of tourist the drunk. Right? The, yeah, I mean they're still good. There's Bro, if it's three in the morning, and you've been out, and then yeah. you go and get a, che- it's going to taste amazing. And right? you want to see a brawl? If you want to see a fist fight, you're five or out be, of ten, or be in one. You can, <laughs> yeah. you can go stand in that line. What's yeah. the best cheesesteak in Philly? There got to be like one best place. I mean, I I always went to Jim's, but everybody would argue. Uh, so there's a spot in in the Northeast. I know the Dawkins brothers would be arguing with me about that, and Sean Brady. Uh, but you know what? I don't even i I don't eat them that often, to be honest with you. When you grow up, once a year? I, I, no, more than more than that. <laughs> when I say I don't eat them very often, every I mean like you know every couple months I'll have yeah. a cheesesteak. But I'm I pizza. I pizza guy nowadays. Every time I watch Dave Portnoy test pizza, I wish I was there with him. Yeah, I get so jealous, like when he's just taking a bite. Meanwhile, you're and... eating a steak, and he's just crushing bread. Yeah, I mean, I it's not good for you. It's not the the right way for me. Just me personally, when I eat and I feel my best is like fruit and meat. Yeah, that's it. And I can eat greens. Greens don't seem to bother me, but the the balance for me seems to be fruit and meat. What is this? Which is this place gyms? is this? This is gyms. Is it gyms? Oh, that looks good. Oh my God! I got to make a cheesesteak at Jim's for the UFC. They oh, they really? did a feature when we when we uh, the last time they were in Philly. God, me and my brother, guy. me and my brother Tommy did a. Yeah, this past. Yeah, Barack Obama. Yeah, I mean everybody's. Yeah, everybody and that's the thing. And you get the the thing I like about Jim's too on South Street is you can get beers and stuff there. Mm. A lot of them you can't get. They don't want you to get beer because you know. Drunks. It's three in the morning, and you're gonna chaos. Be already, you're already trying to fight somebody outside of that place. <laughs> it's just funny that how did that happen? Where that became like the known sandwich of Philadelphia. I don't know. I I think that I remember I I'd heard how they even got started. I think a guy had some leftover steak, and it was like early in the morning or something. And he threw a sandwich together, and that's I think that's how they got started making them like that, but. I don't know how that became so damn famous with our city that that we're known for yeah, cheese whiz and, all and the different steak. food, all the different stuff that people could eat. That that one sandwich becomes famous for the. Sandwich. We were we were like the one of the founding the the original capital of this nation. And what are, what are we known for now? Cheese steaks. cheese the cheese whiz on well on also Moral. known for fights fighters. I mean, think about how many Bernard Hopkins, Joe uh, Joe Frazier. I mean, so many great fighters came out of Philadelphia. Dude, there's a kid Rocky. now. Um, <laughs> Ennis. Um, oh, Boots Ennis. Boots. God damn, bro. God damn, he's good. He's so good. I remember training with him when he was like a teenager, and he was just—he was just—he was just playing around with us, and we were just—he would just move around. I mean, we were grown adult MMA fighters. Couldn't even touch this kid, and now look at—he's just—he's so murdering slick. people. The way he, yeah, just like slides. He could. 
basically does like a cartwheel and gets out of the way of some of these shots, man. He's so slick. He's so slick and creative and so entertaining to watch. He's so good. Yeah, he's so good at switching stances and, and his, I'm his so footwork glad to see and movement. Him. Yeah, I see him doing as well. as Because he was literally helping MMA guys out with his dad, obviously. Um, Bozy, who's just training him. And I don't know if... I, th- I think that's who he's training with pretty much full-time still is his dad. His dad still gets after it. Bro, his dad is 67 years old. down if, yeah. if, if need be. <laughs> I've seen him box like young young kids in the gym who start mouthing off, and he's like, all right, you want to throw down? Doesn't throw a headgear on, and just he'll he'll bust people up. Wow. He's the, he's the man. He uh, he cornered me for that la- the spinning, spinning hook kick fight. He was in my really? corner. Really? Yeah. Wow. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So when you were doing that, did you have an MMA gym, or were you training, were you cross-training on your own, like going to a boxing gym, a Muay Thai gym, a jiu-jitsu gym? So back then, we, at Daniel Gracie's gym in North Philly, we had, uh, if you went into our basement gym, there was a like sliding old school door that went into another basement. And, you know, it was just like all old warehouses that were turned into studios like this or, or boxing gym. And next door to us was a, was a boxing gym. Wow. So we would, we started sharing the space. So we would work with, uh, Bozy and all those guys and his sons and his, his who are you know he's got other sons who didn't make it the way Boots is now but they would spar with us help us out hold pads for us so that that was kind of just like a little collab that we had going at the time but wow that's fortunate it was great that's amazing great. that's amazing and they would I remember some of the pro boxers there would just jab like you you'd be trying to beat their asses and you'd find out after the session that they yeah I was just throwing jabs. Like, look, think back. He's like, did I ever hit you with a right hand? It's like, no, you were only jabbing me in the face. <laughs> and I was trying to take your head off for, you know, six rounds or whatever it was. And they were and just sharpening just, up tools on you. They were just, they're just working on one thing. Yeah. Or maybe just defense, not even punching you. Well, that would be a thing that Hicks and Gracie would always do with people. You know, like he would uh, just go for left arm bars. Yeah. So he would train with everybody and just like. That's the best way to do it if you're, if you're significantly better than somebody. Okay, mm-hmm. well, how can I handicap myself so that I'm still working while you're still working? Yeah. It's, it's just a good way to train. Yeah, it's, it's hard for a guy who's that much better than everybody else to get real good solid work in. Yeah. Just don't put nobody on yeah. that level. So what was the first, was Dukes the first uh, actual MMA gym? I know you did some training with Cowboy too, right? Yeah, so way back when I was still an amateur, he had like the tap out house back then where he had bunk beds in his own house and he would rent it out and you could just come and experience training with Donald and Leonard Garcia at the time. So I would, I flew out. After sparring with him at a seminar, and he's like, you know what? You don't even have to pay. Just come out, and you can train with us. You can live in the house and be a sparring partner. And then after experiencing that mess of living in bunk beds with these other fighter dudes sharing one bathroom, bro, in the back of his house, because the way they had the ranch set up is Leonard had, like, this middle area. Cowboy had his own bedroom with a bathroom in the back, and then all of us dudes were just in, like, four bunk beds. How many guys were in the house together? Man, we'd have, uh, there'd be like 10 guys at a time. Oh, my God. All taking dumps in the same bathroom. Who was cooking? Us. For ourselves. Going to Walmart and buying shit. And that's when you realize how how back-assed some of these kids are with their diets. It's like, what are you eating? There's Oreos everywhere. It's like little kids. It's like, (laughs) 
you realize that none of us knew how to even live on our own. And we all started, you started eating cleaner. You started, to, well, the ones that wanted to be successful would. And uh, some of these kids would miss weight or they'd be partying and, and not training. And it's like, dude, you're not here on vacation, man. Right. You're here to train. And some guy be in there with cowboy, get his nose broken. He used to spar four ounce gloves, no shin guards, no headgear, just mouthpiece MMA gloves in his cage at the ranch. And I remember I was always just getting thrown in because he, he'd wreck somebody. All right, Felder, Philly, he called me back then. Get Philly in here. And I'd come in and take my ass beating. But I kept coming after him. I kept coming after him, coming after him. And he started flying me out. And then I started training with those guys. And then obviously I got my UFC debut. And he definitely, he's like, get your ass out here. I went out there. I brought my buddy Jonathan with me. And uh, I did that for a while. And then I was like, okay. It, it was too much, and it was it was cowboy. It was the cowboy show. Like I needed to find somewhere where I could kind of have my own little bit of a training camp. I could still go and train with him, but it wasn't. I wasn't going to get that attention that in I needed. And and now being in the UFC, that's when I was right. finally like, man, I can't. I can't just be a sparring partner anymore. And um, that's when I started doing my own training camps, and I, I floated around Daniel Gracie. Uh, I worked with Nick Catone and Ricardo and Mark Henry and those guys for a couple fights. And it just, it didn't, nothing against those guys. I love all those guys. But it didn't seem, like it just didn't fit my style. And then my manager at the time, Brian, was like, I want you to go check out Duke and see which, so I, f- I flew out there when I was getting ready for Gilbert Burns, which ended up not happening. He broke his arm in that fight. But that's the first time I flew out there. I'd lost to Trinaldo in Brazil. And then I flew out to Dukes, and I never left. I stayed there for the entire training camp. Once I met him, once I hit pads with him one time, I was like, that's my guy. Really? That's my guy. Interesting. Bro, he's like uh, he's like Rain Man of tie pads and tie knowledge. He's he's so damn good. With oh, he's a wealth Muay Thai. of knowledge. Yeah. yeah but... He'll tell you all about it, too. <laughs> yeah. I mean, Bro, you, 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 you want to hear about it? Duke will friggin' talk yeah. to you about it. I love well, that. You, you got to think of him and his brother. I mean, they were at the forefront of kickboxing. You know, when his brother—I forget who that Thai guy whose brother fought—but yep. when his brother was the king of kings in kickboxing, then he fought that Thai guy, and mm-hmm. that Thai guy chopped his legs apart. And then Duke, who was 19 at the time, was like, "Well, I don't think there's any talent in kicking legs." And then he's like, "I'm never gonna let that have." He that that was the moment when he was yeah. like, "Oh, yeah." I guess there is something to this stuff. And Dude, then he became obsessed with it. I remember the first time I found out about Muay Thai. I was training in Boston, and I was training with this, uh, my, I, was, I was running this Taekwondo school, and I was working with this boxing trainer. And this boxing trainer had this other guy who ran a uh, karate school in Everett, uh, Rich Vasapoli. Great fucking guy. He died actually doing a triathlon. He got kicked. Jeez. He got kicked in the head while, while swimming. He was swimming, and he got knocked out. I guess. Yes, this is the fight. Look, so, he just doesn't even know what to do. Yeah, and well, also oh. Rick had him hurt. He, he had him hurt and dropped him because he could punch, man. Rick, oh my god, he, he could, could do everything. Rick could do everything, and he was so clever. Like his kicking and everything was so slick. But this motherfucker was just chopping at, yeah, him just down, marching forward, just chopping him down. And he just brutalized his legs. And Rick didn't react to it at all. He didn't know what oh, to do. Yeah, there it see? is. He hurt him. 
He hurt him bad. When did he say was it a high kick? He, he kicked into the left hand. Oh, yeah. So he kicked him and then threw left hand. Bam. Boom, yeah. Like a, almost like a Superman mm -hmm. punch. Yeah. With one leg up, caught him on is the that chin. That blood or his mouth guard? Mouth guard. All right. So he puts his mouth guard back in. I mean, round that's one. round one. Round one. I mean, very, very interesting moment in uh, striking because... Ooh. Oh, oh! look, you heard him again. He tags him, drops him a second time in the round. Like, he had him in real fucking trouble. And this dude gets up, and Rick had some fucking hands. I mean, he had amazing kicks above the waist, and eventually developed great kicks below the waist. But this Thai guy just kept fucking chopping the legs. And I think this fight was a fight... How do you say his name? Chang Puek Kiet Song... Grit. I don't know. You need Duke Good to luck. pronounce yeah. that one. Or Mark Delgrate could probably do it. But so he had this dude in all oh, kinds Mark of Mark definitely could. Well, Mark can actually speak Thai. Yeah. It's wild watching him speak Thai because he's you see this guy from Boston, Boston yeah. accent, fucking Italian guy, you know, and he's uh, speaking Thai. Oh. Yeah, look at that. Jump spinning back kick to the head at the end of the first round. So this dude is getting his ass handed to him in the first round. And then comes back in the second and just starts fucking marching him down and chopping those legs. Hey, you can go right there. Just go right there. You can get get a sense of it. But we we got a sense of like, oh, this is crazy. Like he's he's taking away his ability to move and he's taking away his ability. Ooh. I mean, he's just thumping those shins. You can into see his it right thigh. there. Yeah. That one right there. He's Man, already not, not liking moving it. Right. Yeah, not liking it. And it opened up a lot of people's eyes. And I want to say, shit, what year was this? Oh, God. I mean, does it say? 88. Wow. Uh, so no one even fucking understood Muay Thai outside of Thailand back then. I mean, there was a few guys, but most people did not know what Muay Thai was about. So this is when I first found out about Muay Thai. And I had heard about this fight, and because I was a giant fan of Rick Rufus, and this was on PKA Karate, it was on ESPN. And uh, I started training, and I started training with guys who were going over to Thailand yeah. and fighting. There was this one dude that I knew who went over there for months and months at a time. And this is in 88, 88 or 89. This guy was going over to Thailand and and training and coming back with all these stories and oh. fucking cuts all over yeah, his forehead from mangled. elbows. Yeah, yeah. But it was uh, it was very eye opening. The elbows were very eye opening, like because I I haven't hadn't really and I hadn't thought about that as like a an in tight weapon that would yeah. work alongside with boxing. And then the leg kicks and just I remember being stunned at how effective leg kicks are. Just it's so uh, amazing. You yeah, know, like watching that fight. Yeah. It's like wow. And I remember being a little kid, and I obviously grew up doing martial arts. And I remember a couple people, even when I was just starting doing taekwondo and karate, people being like, "You should do Muay Thai." Mm. But even then, I remember, you know, as a kid, I was I was born in '84, so I was four when Rick was getting his ass handed leg kicks like that. But that's crazy. Even even when I was a kid, people were like, "No, you should do Muay Thai." Isn't that crazy? It was like you, dangerous. You yeah. I was 21. I'm so old. It's wild. It's wild thinking back to those days because I was out of time 
where martial arts had started to kind of like that was the first time striking styles merged where yeah. you saw like the above the waist kickboxing which is what most of the people did in America and Versus then Muay Thai. Yeah. Muay Thai was so much more effective. But if you had those above the waist style kicks and and you can kick the legs. Oh my god. Yeah. But no one knew what to do with front leg side kicks. I, I remember that when I was kickboxing. I was like, no one knew what to do with that. It was weird. Like you would stand sideways, and they didn't know how to handle that. Yeah, you but can't you were, get in if you were really good at it. There was this guy, Larry Jones, that I used to train with. Larry was six foot two, and he was all legs. It was crazy. His legs went up to here. I yeah. never saw anybody built like him. He had the torso of a five foot man, and he had these legs that were incredible, incredible dexterity. And he would sidekick side the, the fuck out yeah. of everybody, and you just couldn't get close to him. Yeah, you try to move forward, and he went. Yeah, just, you could have the best hands in the world. Slide, like a Doesn't lot matter. of those point fighter guys. Like there's a guy named Mafia Holloway. Do you know who he is? Mm -mm. He was a guy. Um, he was the first guy. I fought a couple of those point tournaments just for fuck around. I wasn't a point fighting guy, but I would do it every now and then. And I fought him in a point fighting tournament. And I remember being so baffled. <laughs> Like what to do because I I was used to continuous the yeah. Taekwondo fights were continuous you and he would just he would just swap tap me and I was yeah. like oh wow I was like this is something I need to learn how to do and I remember thinking that when I when MMA started emerging I was like that is an unseen skill yeah. the ability to point fight and then Venom Page came and showed everybody mm -hmm. Venom Page was the first guy that was like a really good point fighter yeah that made his way into MMA I'm like there's Wonder Boy as well Wonder Boy as well yeah. but Wonder Boy is a kickboxer yeah. Wonder Boy did a lot of a, a you know above the waist kickboxing and he was fucking phenomenal at that yeah, his records like crazy fifty seven and zero or something crazy like that I mean Wonder Boy um, is uh, like but that fight with Kevin Holland that let everybody know like you just want to stand up with Wonder Boy you're in trouble no threat of the takedown at all Wonder Boy is a bad man he's yeah he's he, a bad man he's just and he he's just gonna have fun yeah you know what I mean even if right. you hurt him it's like don't forget this dude came from a He's been hurt before yeah. on the feet. Oh, he knows how to as handle it. As long as you're not going to follow it up with a whole bunch of wrestling and, and stifle him, yes. he's standing and do that all day long. And his ego is so healthy. He's such a nice guy. He's the nicest that, guy. Like, it's almost like he's congratulating you for hitting him. Yeah. Like, good job. Like, <laughs> Got past my defenses there, buddy. Good job. Well, he does some wild shit, too. Like, he sneaks that round kick over the shoulder onto the face. I think and, that's the kick that made him, I mean, mm -hmm. that, that knockout that he mm -hmm. has. First uh, UFC fight. Yeah. Is that what it was? Yeah. yeah. And he just kind of throws it. Whoop, yeah. Comes well, right I remember Faraz Sahabi saying that he was the best striker they had ever seen. Yeah. They brought him in to train with George St. Pierre. Yes. And this yeah. is when Wonder Boy was in his 20s. Yeah. Wonder Boy was a motherfucker. I saw him fight live. Can I get some of this call? Yeah, sure, sure, sure. Um, push that down. Uh, I saw Wonder Boy fight live at Chuck Norris's event. Remember the, with, Chuck with Norris? The, with yes. The, yes. Dude, I, I used to watch that all because that was in the prime of I'm still doing Taekwondo and doing all that. And I'm like, that's what I want to yeah. do. Yeah. Because it was kickboxing. See, you can find like some weird. of the, the Wonder Boy. What was Boy, that called? I think it was World Combat League. I think you're right. I think that's what he called it. But I went to see it. I, I believe it was in Atlantic City. And it was the first time I met Chuck Norris. I was like, oh, my God, it's Chuck Norris. I couldn't yeah. believe I was meeting Chuck Norris. And he knew who I was. I was like, oh, my God. I could Chuck die now. Chuck Norris. It's like Chuck Norris knows my name. He came and gave me a hug. <laughs> I was like, holy shit, Chuck Norris gave me a hug. But this is Wonder Boy when he was in his fucking prime, man. Like, and so there was, uh, what we're looking at is, a, for people that are just listening, there's a, a round platform and it's, it bevels up on the sides slightly. So instead of having a barrier, there's like 
a there's like a an area, the red area, like a yellow area, like the danger track, and then the red where it goes, it slants up, and so you know to move around it, which I think was a brilliant idea. And I want to say that I want to say Frank Shamrock was like one of the first guys to use something similar to that in MMA. He had an organization that he was doing oh, for really? a while. Yeah. Well, dude, it's Ooh. it goes back. Even think of uh, Bloodsport, right? When they at the final match, right? They turn up the canvas mm-hmm. so that they're forced to the middle. I mean, that's yeah. basically the concept. It's a good concept. I like the concept. The concept of having like a curved surface. That, but the problem with the MMA guys is you can't have that because guys will drive people over oh, the you, side you, and slam. You'll be running into that guy with the camera right yeah. there. See, there's there oh, he caught man. him with that same kick over the shoulder. He was so good at sneaking that front round kick over the shoulder and like catching you on the chin. Doc that Hamilton. guy doesn't have any idea what hit him. No, he has no idea. Doc Hamilton, that referee, he was yeah. one of the first guys to develop an alternative scoring system. He had an alternative scoring system to the MMA scoring system, like you know, because we have, we still have this ten point must system that I think is very ineffective, or I mean, not ineffective, but not comprehensive enough for yeah. all the skills and all. It's like with boxing, you could use the ten point system is great for boxing, yeah, because you can you just using hands, you can see who won ten nine this guy, but right. once you start using takedowns, that's and where it gets so complicated, man. There's so too hard. many things, too many things. Because what we what do we end up arguing about? Well, or or, or people in general about the fights. Well, he got the takedown right. and the control and landed X Y and Z. Yeah, but he th- threw up three submission attempts from his back. Right. Or he got taken down three times, but the other guy got up three times. So it's yeah. like, well, right. It's so freaking hard to, to score. Yeah, and it's very subjective. It's very subjective. And yeah, I, I understand you, guys will tell you, no, no, we count this, we count that. I understand how you're scoring it. How you're supposed to well, score yes, it. But least. I still yeah. don't think that that's comprehensive enough. I don't think we, we should have a 10 point system. I think it should be like almost like. The amount of strikes landed versus plus the amount of hard strikes landed plus takedown attempts. It should be like, it should take like five minutes to fucking yeah. score each round. It, yeah, should, it take should, time. should almost be looked at in segments, right? Well, okay, who won the striking? Right. So and so. Who won this? And then you evaluate, well, maybe that was even. And I th- that's the idea, right? That's what, the, that's what the judges are now supposed to be trying to do is view it where they start with the striking. But that's the problem. Is that's if you win the striking, you win the round, right? Unless Based on, but takedowns, like the, some people score takedowns very heavily. You know, so takedowns and control, and it's not supposed ball. to be that way. It's supposed to be just a change in position yeah. if you don't do anything with it. So if you get, a, let's say I take you down, and I don't throw any strikes, but somebody from their back, <laughs> yeah, and someone's throwing up. Submission I'm just glad attempts. that I don't have to do it. <laughs> to be com- to, to be completely fair, that w- I would not do well. And everybody's like, "You guys should be doing the judges, former fighters." I'm like, "Yeah, no way. I already get enough criticism. I certainly don't want to be the guy that's then judging these things. We get well, enough trouble when we say who we think won in a fight." But I think at least it would be coming from a place of knowledge. I mean, it could be subjective and it could be argued and debated, but at least no one can say you don't know what you're talking about. Yeah. Whereas there are so, there are problems with judges where you're not like, martial artists at all, right, which is crazy. Yeah, which is crazy. That's like me judging soccer. Like I don't like what. How the fuck are you a martial arts judge and you're not like even me a martial artist? Watching a cricket match. I remember there was a moment. I would have no idea in the middle of a fight in the early days where uh, someone was doing a kimura 
and one of the judges asked uh, someone else, what is he doing? And I was like, this is so crazy. That judge just asked, what, what is he doing? Yeah. And this person is responsible for the for trajectory of round. someone's career. Yeah. Like this person has dedicated their entire life to this moment. This What's is, a Kimura? Well, it's a good thing you go like this. I mean, imagine you. Imagine if you heard that. If you like got a guy in a Kimura and you're like you're stepping your leg over the head and you're trying to finish it. And, like, what doing? is he doing? What is he doing? What 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 are you doing? Like you are watching. Why are you here? Mixed martial arts. How'd you right? get that spot? Yeah. <laughs> it's. It's they just, don't know. They're like, huh? it's kind of there's yeah, there's sure. parts of it that are kind of bush league, still. And I, I just I just don't think we should have that scoring system. I think someone should sit down and develop a con- and that's what Doc Hamilton tried to do. He he tried to develop. I I, I believe Doc called it a half point system. And mm. he and I talked about it. We had a conversation. He explained it to me, and I said that's a, it. Definitely sounds better than what we're doing. Yeah, but you know something. Something, something, something anything. Be, I, mean, I also think they should be fighting on a football field. I know you still, you still really want that do. fantasy. Fuck of, that uh, cage, fuck that cage. The cage just gets in the way, and it yeah. also it now pro- guys know how to fight in the cage. Oh yeah, completely. Oh, they know how to use it. They know how to put their back against the cage to get back up. Like if the UFC suddenly thrown threw ropes out there, people would be like, "What? Right? What the? I don't know how to fight anymore because you're so used to takedowns on the fence." Mm-hmm. Well, if you go to Pride, ropes are not the way either because guys who get caught up in, they in the stops and I mean, push you back in. them yeah. back. I'm like, this what? isn't good either. That's not good either. I think a platform, not even a platform, just like a flat surface. but Like a basketball court. Yes. like a bas- If you can play basketball on a court, why can't you have an MMA fight in a court? No mats? Or you like the idea oh, of you that? Have to have because then you're yeah. just going to break bones. Yeah, you break bones and also head kicks. When guys go down, their head bounces off. Yeah, yeah. That's... yeah. I fought on a lot of basketball courts in the Taekwondo days. <laughs> yes, yeah, yeah, me too. The point where they'd made guys wear pads just on the in back the back of, the, of their yeah. head, just because yeah. if you got head kicked, mm-hmm. yeah, the bounce. That's one of the scariest Did things is this? the bounce. Is this the multiple people oh, fighting? Fuck this is not, not quite. Oh, is this basketball? I did see that one. And the guy slid. Oh my god! So they're barefoot and they broke the glass. Leave it to Russia. Russia yeah. will have like fat men fighting fit women. They'll have car two fighting. On one. Car, yes. car jujitsu. Did you see that? <laughs> they have car MMA too. Russia's so crazy. They're so crazy with the shit they invent. This, I mean, Habib basically made this up. Yeah, but look at this guy. Why would you do that, bro? Shatters it because he's being funny. That's so. And dumb. there's no way that's ten feet. No, definitely not. Right? No, no, of course not. No, it's not a real. So now the guy gets the ball, and the other guy takes him down. Are they allowed to hit him? I, I doesn't seem like they're hitting each other. To be honest with you, I don't know if there's many rules to this, but but it's in a cage, and they're playing basketball. This is yeah, kind of this is dumb. <laughs> they just tape, they taped the uh, glass back together. That's all. So they're scoring points, but they're not. It's just in an octagon. And I have seen that thing that Khabib and his friends do. That's become almost a. I don't know if it's a real sport, but I've seen like organized versions of it now. Not well, just in a. It looks a fun when you watch Khabib and his buddies training. They just don't dribble, right? Yeah, they're just running and holding <laughs> onto the ball. It's like guys. <laughs> the whole point of the sport uh, is it's difficult because you got to dribble the ball. Yes. Like NBA is already pushing yeah, the boundaries on traveling and walking and all that. But oh, they take man. each other down on the fucking hardwood floor. Oh. Rug ball, they're calling it. Called, oh, so this is a different version oh. of it. Oh, my yeah, God. This is legit. These Brutal. Guys are... <laughs> Brutal. Make it. Oh. 
Good shot. Not a bad shot. Rug ball is a mix of Jesus. basketball and wrestling. Oh, Jesus Christ. And but where? Created floors, in where? Russia. Russia. Animals. There's some tough-ass <laughs> fucking people. If you think oh right God. now about the amount of top-flight talent that comes from Eastern Europe and Russia and Dagestan, Dagestan. and Chechnya, you know? I mean, fucking a man, dude. They're they're all just waiting to take all the titles at this point too. I, I mean, mean, even uh, in boxing, did you see the Better Beef fight? No. Oh my god, Better Beef is so fucking tough. Nineteen and O, nineteen knockouts. I mean, what the fuck, man? Yeah, they're they're uh, they're definitely a step ahead in yeah. in, in terms of combat. Sports, whatever it is, whether it's boxing, wrestling, MMA, yeah. they've got. Is Here's this the guy. Give. Yeah, I mean, he's such a fucking animal. He's from Chechnya, and he's 38 years old. So it's like he's got to get like the big fight. He was one of the guys that they were talking about Canelo fighting at light heavyweight, and I would have loved to see that because I think his mauling style, because he just fucking comes forward. And he he forces firefights. It's very different than most world champions in that, like, he gets in slugfests and he gets hit, but he's super skillful. He lost to Usyk in the Olympics. Uh, maybe it was the Olympics? It was it's certainly in the amateurs. But, you know, top flight amateur and a destroyer as a professional. 19-0. and 0, And Yard, man, credit to Yard because Anthony Yard is a bad man. And he's a fucking tough dude. He took Oof. took some horrible shots in this fight, but better be of just never stops, just constantly coming forward. And his technique is fucking flawless. I would have loved to see him versus Canelo. But, yeah, because they both in that. I mean, Canelo is another one that's just right in there, but better ready be of, for it. Better be of is so much bigger. He's a big guy, man. Canelo is, you know, started his career. I mean, fought Floyd at one fifty two, fought at one fifty four. I mean, he's. He's certainly a legit 160 and 168. He's great at it, but this dude is a legit 75. It's a, it's a different world. And better be of 19 and 0 with 19 knockouts. So he's going to fight Dimitri Bivol next, supposedly, hopefully, and that's a really interesting. But again, Bivol Russian, this guy Chechnyan, that fucking world over there, dude. Hard people grow up different, man. Yeah, like you're, they're not growing up with. Tons of money, and yeah. they're, they're, these guys are living on cliffs yeah. in the middle of <laughs> yes. like rock villages. You know what I mean? Where they're kicking stones in each other for fun. Like yeah. it's true. That's going to breed. Yeah. Just and then you take them, and it's like, well, hey, you could do that. You can kick that rock around, or you can come in this gym and learn how to fight. And it's like, yeah, yeah I'm gonna. That sounds a lot more. You could play basketball where you tackle each other. Yeah, sign me up for that. I'd, I'd have been good at that sport. <laughs> Just not the not the dribbling part. Well, you think of, like, war-torn Chechnya. I mean, that's where Hamzak Chemaev comes from. That's where Better Biev comes from. I mean, it's just... when you're, you're It's an escape yeah. to be able to go and box and right. fight and do MMA. And yeah. now he's living in Sweden and stuff yeah. like that. Oh, man. I know, Gets right? to talk trash and, and, and be cool, like... Being around nice people. <laughs> yeah. It's like, nobody's trying to kill me right now? <laughs> yeah, that... If I mean, you think about some of our greatest fighters in America grow up in poor neighborhoods. Yeah. These guys grow up in war-torn yeah. poor neighborhoods. Yep. It's even levels to that, right? Yeah, I mean, levels our to best that. guys, yeah, you come from rough neighborhoods. I grew up in a rough neighborhood, but nah, I didn't grow up in Chechnya. Right. Do you know what I mean? South Philly's Think about <laughs> like what you've got now with like 
Nurmagomedov, he he ste- steps down, but then you st- you have Umar. Umar, he looks great, man. Fucking phenomenal. Completely different style. Yep. Like e- just evil accidentally striker. knocked out a guy now too. Oh my yeah, god, that was sick. And then he felt bad about it. He was like holding yeah. his head. I'm like. Oh. Such a good guy, right? It's awesome to see. But chaos him, and then after follow up shots, like, oh, you're, oh, shit, sorry, you're out. I didn't, I didn't know you were. Head. Didn't know you were sleeping. <clears throat> and then you have Islam, who uh, I mean, he, how the fuck does that guy make one fifty five? When yeah, you stand big, next man. to him, he's so big. He looks like he's two hundred plus pounds. Yeah, he and, was coming. He was knocking on my door when I was fighting for the longest time too. And I was like, these guys are all coming, man. Yeah, they're all coming. They're all coming. Rachmanov you, at yes. one seventy. Oh, Shavkat. Shavkat's and he's fighting. He's fighting Jeff, uh, Neal. Jeff Neal, which is very interesting. That's yeah, a good fight. Uh, I hope they stand because that's. I mean, if if you let Jeff Neal have fun on the feet, that, mm-hmm. that, that guy can kickbox, man. Oh, he's so accurate. He's so accurate. He's got that, good that Mike kick. Perry fight. <laughs> Woo! That Mike high Perry. kick, that left high kick. Woo! Mike Perry's a maniac. He is a maniac. <laughs> Do you know he's the backup for? Yeah, uh, Jake I saw Paul, that. I thought, crazy. I thought you know what? Good for you, Mike Perry. Yeah, good for him. Here, here's Shavkat. Shavkat's, he can do it all, man. He can do it all. He's <clears throat> such a good grappler and elite striker. Throws a lot of spinning kicks. I called a couple of his early fights, and even then, it was like, this this guy's going to be contending for the belt. The thing about Shavkat is he's not getting the shine that he deserves. You know, like I don't think people understand how good he is right now in terms of like his overall popularity. Yeah. You no, know, that's I, the problem with a lot of these guys. That's why they get slow played. The way they do, it's not talent. I mean, th- these these guys are the future of the UFC, no mm-hmm. doubt about it. But you got to realize that the UFC's. I mean, they're trying to promote things, right? right. It's hard to promote when a guy's just stoic like that. Mm-hmm. And it's like, listen, I'm not telling you to change anything, but you got you can see why you can see both sides. I'm like, okay. Once they get to be a champion, though, then it's okay. Yeah, because it's like, just like good luck, Khabib. Yeah, yeah. good yeah. luck trying to beat this guy. Now the story is, who the hell is going to beat this guy? To this day, one of my favorite moments at a weigh-in is Khabib before the Connor fight, where he says to the audience, "I'm gonna smash, smash your, your boy,", boy. Yeah. <laughs> and he did, and he did. But it was just that was like Khabib trash talking, which you never heard. Yeah, you never heard. But Connor brought it out of him. That's it, and that's all he needed. Yeah, that little bit. Yeah, I'm Alhamdulillah, I'm gonna smash your boy, yeah. and all the Irish people are like, no, like, no, yeah. no. Yeah, yeah, there's not enough proper twelve in the world to <laughs> to stop that dude from smashing you. Yeah, it's uh, such an exciting time in terms of like the possibilities, and the matchups. I'm I was very surprised that they decided to do Islam Makachev versus uh, Volkanovski right away too. Right away, yeah, like very they, surprised. You know, to the point where Volk is facing off with them that night. Yeah. I mean. Yeah, that's a big fight, though. We're going to do a fight companion for that. So that's on the 11th. What's, what else is on the card? Yair Rodriguez yeah, yeah, and Yair. Josh Emmett. Woo! Dude, D- Jack Della Maddalena, that kid. That kid is unbelievable, crack. bro. He's good. And by the way, rude boy Randy Brown is a test, that's too. That's great. That's a great fight. Yeah. It's a great fight. Randy Brown is long and tall and very, very talented. That's a true... He's got a true test on mm-hmm. his hands now. I like that fight a lot. That and that's a- good for Randy, too, because especially going down there, if he goes down there and he beats Jack, shit, mm-hmm. man, then he can be like, all right, next fight, I want something I want something big at home. You know what I mean? Yeah. But well, you almost have to do that in the UFC. These, these young guys got to realize that sometimes. Like, you want X, Y, and Z. You, you want 
the big fights, you mm-hmm. want these matchups. Sometimes you got to suck it up and say, all right, who do you got to give me? Where do I got to go? Because it's not always going to be sunshine and rainbow. Sometimes you got to go fight in Brazil against a Brazilian. Sometimes yep. you'll have to go over the, uh, you know, down to New Zealand or go over. I, f- I remember fighting all over the place. I didn't give a shit as long as it was going to put me in a position to move up the rankings and you know get more money as well. If you went to fight in Brazil, how much time would you give yourself to adapt? Well, I would do it all. I would do it all different than what I did when I did do it because I only went. I think I went down like it left on like a Tuesday oh, to fight on to a fight on Saturday. Saturday. Oh no! And uh, it was uh, not good. It's so hard just to adapt to the jet lag. Yeah, I was I was a mess a for that fight. one. I was a mess for when I fought um, when I fought Edson the second time in Abu Dhabi. I left on Monday to go fight on Saturday night, and I don't think I slept more than three hours every night, and I had the worst weight cut of my life because of it. I remember calling my mom then like after I had made weight and I don't remember much of that conversation with my mom. That's when she was like, you need to, I want you to seriously consider not doing this anymore. Oh my God. Imagine that's your boy. You're talking to your son. Your son's about to fight in a cage fight and he can barely talk because he's cutting weight. There's a a couple of those situations with the weight cuts, man. The the, the five day notice fight um, with RDA was... Yeah, I remember calling Christine, who's, you know, we're married now, but at the time we were, I don't even think we were engaged, and I remember making her, can you can you go in the fridge and get a can of Coke and pour it over ice for me, just to watch it? That's how thirsty <laughs> I was. I wanted to watch her pour a oh can of Coke. God. This is now, granted, this is like 12.30 in Vegas, so it's like 3 in the morning back home. I wake her up to pour soda. <laughs> Over ice for me. She must be like Joe, kind of fucking maniac am I getting involved night, with? I found ASMR videos of people drinking sodas. You could probably pull that up. Oh god. Chugging ice cold sodas. So they have they have the microphone like right on their throat. So you can hear them gulping these ice cold sodas. Now you gotta realize I cut like eighteen pounds or something crazy and I'm dry heaving in the bathtub and just watching all night. Cause Butler, my manager, for a while was, you know, they're making sure I was okay. Is this? Here yep. This video is 10 million views. <laughs> it's 10 million views. She went oh, ice. dude, so you can imagine. You're thirsty. You're so thirsty. I just want to be this guy. Oh, he's going to drink it out of the bowl. It's, he's pouring oh. He's pouring Fanta into uh, a bowl filled with ice. It just sounds... <laughs> And he's going to chug it. He's going to slurp it Is all down. Is that blueberry Fanta? I don't know, but I'm... I didn't even know there was a blueberry Blue raspberry. Fanta. Oh, wow. He's going to slurp it. Oh. How weird is that that that's a thing, that people love ASMR? I, I, I didn't know. I And I still don't watch any ASMR, but at the time, I couldn't, I couldn't stop watching it. <laughs> I didn't sleep one hour the night that I... I so Friday, or no, Thursday into Friday, we did the whole weight cut. I still had like a pound that I was hoping to float, which I did end up doing. But the whole night, I was 156 and a half or whatever I was, and the whole entire night, I had a severe headache, Whoa. was dry heaving and watching Isn't stuff like that. Isn't it so insane that fighters will literally get to death's door the 24 day hours before you fight? Crazy. 
25 I, minutes. If there's a thing that I could take away from fighting to, to eliminate, that would be the thing. Because I feel like it's sanctioned cheating. I feel like that's what it is. It's 100%. I mean, it, yeah. it's what you're doing. It's 100%. You're, you know really that you have to weigh 155. Yeah. I was, I mean, I, I would walk into the cage 182 pounds. That's so nuts. So nuts. But you pay a price for that. Yeah. And if, if out of all the things that you've done, that's the one thing that you think you would oh, do man, differently? I, 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 and the reason that I keep talking, you know, I've, I've thought about a comeback and we've kind of teased it and everybody, even the coaches around me, the reason they'd be interested is because we want to see what I'd be capable of being a healthy fit. If I could mix now how I've learned to train my, my system with the the triathlon training and having my triathlon coach, this guy David Tilbury Davis, who I work with, he's super science on everything, right? Breaking things down, the mitochondria and how you got to do zone one works versus this. If I could mix that in with my MMA training and start applying that to grappling and sparring days, because you start thinking about athletes, the best athletes in the world and how they prepare and then how they go and, and fight. We're so ass backwards in fighting, it, it makes no fucking sense. We're just beating the shit out of each other and then showing up and hoping for the best on, on fight day. There needs to be much... You're seeing more of it now where people are being a little more scientific yeah. with their approach. But, I mean, I would just... For me, when I was... I was go hard all the time. Five mm. five-minute rounds, then five five-minute rounds in the bag, then five five-minute rounds of jumping rope, go to bed, eat 200 calories, wake up, do it all over again. <sighs> And it's like, oh, no wonder by four weeks in the training camp, I wanted to, you know, I didn't want to fight anymore. Yeah. It's like, well, now, if you, you know. But what do you think you would try to weigh now to, to get down to 55? Like right around where I'm at now, like 170-something. Yeah. I mean, I think I could easily be walking around, as I am now, all, all the time, well, well below 180 pounds. Well, look at Frankie. When yeah. Frankie won the title, Frankie was basically cutting no weight. When he beat BJ, he's probably Penn. eating to even weigh 155 yeah. pounds. I mean, back look, then. He, he ends his career at 35, yeah, which is pretty wild. You think that he was a champion at 55 and, and fighting guys like Ben Henderson, who was Gray Maynard. Gray, huge. Yeah, he used, and he was just solid, man. Gray Maynard was a big fella. He was big back then. He was a big fella. I mean, now, but even think now, like compared to the lightweights now, that's, he's not even that big. No. No, some of the light. Well, Imagine Makachev. Yeah. I mean, Makachev is so big. Who else is a massive and his lightweight? Fucking squeeze. I mean, what is his squeeze like? You see his back when yeah. he when he got that arm triangle mm -hmm. on Charles. Just the traps and all that. Yeah, I mean, you can tell when a guy like Charles taps the, as fast as he did to mm -hmm. that. You know that guy's got just a gorilla grip, like well, crazy. His, his squeeze was evident in the Drew Dober fight too, because Drew Dober's Same fucking, thing. he's a gorilla tough. too. And he's as tough as they come. Yes. Look at some of these comeback fights that he's oh had recently. God. That, that fight last fight. With Bobby Green. Oh Holy shit. Holy shit. He was styling on him. Yeah, and it's Bobby like, Green bro, was... you can't sleep on Drew for a second nope. though. Nope. Drew so, caught him. That was one of the fights I always thought I was going to have, well, and Drew's, it never never turned out. His chin is like a fucking fire hydrant. Just a, he's such a giga chad, like yeah, the way he's, he's built. Just, his right, fucking giant head. And he's the guy in college. If we were in college together, I would have fucking I would have hated that. So dude. I'm like, look at this pretty boy. He's so handsome. I hate him. He's got abs, beautiful strong, hair, strong, handsome, great hair. Seems like a nice guy. Fuck. Yeah. Right. 
got everything going for him. He must be a piece of shit. Well, I think he's, uh, you know, I think that Makachev fight ignited something in him as well. Yeah. I think when you get the rub, when you fight someone who's that good and you realize, okay, yeah, everything there's, there's I'm another doing, level. I, I got to ramp it up. Yeah. Sometimes people don't realize what those levels are, which is why being around elite fighters is so critical for a fighter's early day mm -hmm. because you mirror the people that you're training with. Yeah. You know, if you are in a gym filled with elite assassins, like you are forced to be at that level. Look or, at or you go home Dagestan. and you don't yeah. come back. You yeah. know what I mean? You just stop. Bilal's, but if you keep showing up. Bilal's depiction of what it was like to train with Khabib and, and be in that camp with them and what those guys do. He goes. They're crazy. Yeah. But that's why they're so good. He'd be like, we'd get done these, you know, he told you, these epic sessions. And then Khabib would be like, all right. And then he takes him for another, like, 25 minutes just grinding on him mm -hmm. after the fact. Yep. At, he was like the warm-up yeah. sometimes. He's like, we got a workout. At, that's not the workout? Yeah. They're doing push, uh, burnout push-ups and stuff at the yep. end, too, planks squats and, and planks. Yeah. But, but that's what it takes. You know, it was interesting talking to, we talked to Dan Ige it, before his last fight. And he, it, he loves strength and conditioning, right? And, and I did too when I was a fighter. And he felt very conflicted because you've got a guy like Habib who's telling him, don't do, like, you don't need that stuff. You need to just do what he's doing. But what Dan realized, and I think if you saw his last fight, something clicked in him. And I think he's starting to trust himself. You can't always just emulate just because somebody's the greatest ever. And you, what works for Habib is not necessarily going to always work for you and he was like i needed to do strength and conditioning i needed to do this stuff because he was trying to just do what other people were telling him to do yeah for the longest time and he was kind of falling short well and george then, came to that conclusion too george st pierre came to that conclusion he decided at some point in time that strength and conditioning wasn't important yeah and what was really important was efficiency mm -hmm. and just technical proficiency strategy and efficiency in movements yeah. and his martial arts movements. I mean, uh, but obviously you're coming, you're talking about a guy like George who's already an Adonis. Yeah. You know, he's already very strong. And, uh, you know, so he had this physical strength already and to enhance that and make himself even stronger is not really going to improve his fighting. What really was improving his fighting was just technique and efficiency. Yeah. And getting better at yeah. fighting stuff. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I, I, uh, and you're going to gain strength specific for fighting by grappling. I right. mean, you can't get some of those muscle groups the way that you need to get them to fire. The only way to do that is to just freaking get that squeeze. And you can right. do that all day. You know, you can pull on the bands and you can simulate a lot of that stuff, but there's nothing that's ever going to replace trying to control somebody with your legs mm -hmm. and their upper body. And at the same time, control your breathing and heart rate and try to then squeeze. It's just, yeah. it's, it's unlike... It's unlike anything else. Eddie Bravo used to always explain it like tying your shoes. He's like, you got to get a technique down to the point where you do it automatically. You don't even when think you tie about your it. shoes, you don't think about tying your shoes. Nope. You just go, yep. and you tie Done. your shoes. He's like, that has to be how your technique comes out. You can't mm. be like consciously thinking about it while you're applying it. Yep. And if you can get yeah. it to that point, and then it's obviously when you're drilling it and executing constantly over and over again. You know how some guys just have a tech. You remember Paul Sass? Yeah. He had a triangle from hell. Mm -hmm. That motherfucker triangled everybody, and everybody knew. Stay out of his triangle. Didn't yeah, matter. Doesn't Didn't matter. matter. Yeah. He just had this, in that movement, he had that movement down so tight and so fluid. That no matter what. That if you were in his guard, just pop, yep. he would just slap that motherfucker on you.
I mean, look at Habib and and Islam, and you know they're going to try to take you down. Right. Good luck. Yeah. Can't stop. They it. don't, and they don't hide it. I'm going to no. take you down and smash you, and I'm going to choke you out. Smash. Okay. Yeah. And he did it over and over and, and over. You're just going to do it. Yeah. I mean, who's been more dominant in their career? Because like he arguably lost a round versus Connor, and he had that difficult fight with Glace and Tebow mm-hmm. early in his career. Yeah. That was a close fight. Mm-hmm. Other than that, just a Knife smash through fest. Butter. Yeah, smash fest. And you know, you know a guy's dominant when you talk about wow, so and so lasted five rounds with him. Mm-hmm. It's I like, know, right? Yeah, he got crushed. Yeah, but yeah. he lasted. Ally Quinta, Quinta yeah. tough as shit. Talked tough about that. Ally Quinta gave a great account of himself. Got that fight, fight over me. Yeah. Uh-huh. Oh, that's right. I remember that. Yeah. That was one of those weird ones where they told Max Holloway to stop cutting weight. Yeah. That was New York. Yeah, dude. They had they had all kinds of stuff going on to, yeah. to make him make weight. They had that room turned into like a furnace. I swear to God, they were bringing up like butane oh heaters and shit into the room. Oh. The hotel, they're just trying to hide it all in the, from the hotel lobby in New York, but they're bringing up all this stuff, all these heated blankets, all this stuff. And- I remember talking to those guys back then. He was, I think he was going to make weight, but the doctor, once he saw all that, he's like, I can't. Well, you gotta I can't allow those, this anymore. The doctors, if they saw, that doctor saw everyone make weight, they'd yeah. stop it. Yeah. Well, this is what Hamzat said. Hamzat said he would have made weight. And by the way, that was in New York as well, right? Yeah. They just, once they see it, yeah. they're going to, get him out of there. Of course it's. Yeah, bad get, for our health. Like, of course, what do you, it's fucking horrible. Go, go, cut four pounds. It's bad for your health. Yeah, imagine what these guys are doing, especially Max in that particular situation. I remember thinking it was a joke. Do you remember it was like April first when the news came out that that Max was stepping in? Who was originally Tony Ferguson? Tony tore Ferguson. his fucking knee because he was wearing over sunglasses. Some, he wasn't. Oh, wow. I said that. that. Was, that I said the... that, and I apologize to Tony because everybody thought that because Tony wore sunglasses a lot. For the, but no, he just tripped over some fucking loose wires. God damn it! That's he was, so he was crazy. Wearing sunglasses. I don't think he was. I don't think he was. They said he wasn't. He tripped over some fucking wires. He's probably and kicking a pole right before that. Though. But how crazy is that? He tore his fucking knee tripping over some wires. And it was April first. Mm-hmm. When the news came out about that, right. and everybody's like, "No, it's swear to God, it's not an April Fool's joke." I remember sitting in the basement at Duke's, thinking it was an April Fool's joke. To this day, I wish Tony fought Khabib when Tony was in his prime, because Tony in his prime, you know, people see him get knocked out by Michael Chandler, and they see him lose to Nate. They see these fights. It's a damn shame, man. It's it, that's a long road of a, a, a battered body from war. Hundred percent. And if Tony Ferguson, when he was at the top of the heap, was a fucking boogeyman. Yeah, he was the boogeyman, man. He really was. He wasn't wearing my. He, I wasn't wearing my shades. I'd actually have my prescription sunglasses on. Oh, well, that's still sunglasses. Um, that's still sunglasses, Tony. Tony Ferguson. <laughs> Tony Ferguson, the type of guy to not be wearing sunglasses while wearing sunglasses. <laughs> Those Tony Ferguson is the type of oh guy memes God, are amazing. Dude. I hope he takes that and enjoys it and isn't mad about it. But I feel like Tony Ferguson is the type of guy to get stuff. mad about it. He got mad because I called him a brilliant weirdo. It's like, you but are, he's so, bro. so unusual. I mean, he's just his style of moving. And yeah. he would catch you with these weird punches. And he would train on a, a, a Wing Chun dummy. Yep. 
uh, Eddie Bravo was uh, working with him, and uh, they were in Big Bear, and he said Tony was in such fucking insane, insane shape that everybody else in camp would like be running sprints. Tony would lap them. Yeah. He would run these hills. Yeah. Run back down while these guys were still running and lap them going up the hills. I forget. I forget who it was. Maybe Jeremy Stevens went and trained with him for a little bit and like hung out with him. And he would say that Tony would wake. I think it was Jeremy Stevens who said it. But he would be like, man, he'd just wake you up at like two in the morning and be like, we're going, we're running. And he would just go and do that. That's these Floyd free. Mayweather. Yeah. Floyd Mayweather would do that too. He would go to a club, drink water, hang out with everybody, and then run 10 miles home. Yeah. But like that's what it takes to be elite. I just don't think Tony got his chance. I mean, Tony beat uh, Kevin Lee and he. he you know, he, he beat some really good guys and he won the interim title. That's definitely the fight that got away from yes, I got mean, away. Got away. That would have been a really John Jones amazing and, fight. And and Ghana is another one yes. now where we're all like That might still happen. <sighs> could that, happen. That could still happen. But will it happen I hope when so. they're when we all want it to happen. You well, know what I mean? If it happens in four years from now. But it doesn't have to happen in four years. Here's my thing. Again, Mr. Ngano, please hear me out. This is the, I mean, just for legacy. Deals. For legacy and just for all, also money. I think the big money is if he has an account. What if he knocks out Dillian White? Right? What if, what if they, they set him up with some boxer who's an elite boxer, not Tyson Fury? And he and, goes and wins and, a big fight. And, yeah. and, and you got to remember, Ngannou is 265 ripped yeah, cut, natural. Cutting weight to probably be at 265. With canned hams for fists. Yeah. Just giant. Just he's a fucking specimen, and the power is extraordinary. And if he's just punching and not worrying about takedowns, if one of those fu- look at look at Wilder, Wilder, who's the greatest he's, knockout he's artist ever, crazy greatest. He's uh, one punch knockout artist. I I would say I mean there's you have your George Foreman's and Mike Tyson are the most beautiful combinations we've ever seen in the heavyweight division. But Wilder, Pure just power, blap. You see his nope. last fight? It wasn't even moving was, away. Moving away. He hits yeah. this guy and the guy's stiff. He has that one Ortiz. When he hit Ortiz in the forehead, pull that up. Pull up Wilder knocks out Ortiz. Because he hit him, and Ortiz is a durable guy, a tough guy. And he had Wilder in some trouble in that fight. And Wilder just blap. Yeah. Hit him. Blah, right in the forehead. Yeah, His you can tell, head man. Snaps that's, back, and Ortiz's eyes are all back. He's like, "What the fuck just hit me?" Those are the things you can't train. That is God's gift to you. And again, it's that long frame, like you were yeah, talking about. Yeah, look at about. another lean. Look oh. at that. Oh my goodness! Look at this. Watch this. Here it goes again. Bam! I mean, look at Ortiz. Look at, you know, Ortiz is like, like "What, what the?" Fuck? He's just like trying to put his mouthpiece back it. in. His mouthpiece is in. He's still trying to find it. His legs aren't moving. Like, wait a look minute. He's like, what the fuck? Look at his, look at his he's face. Con- he's like upset yeah. about it. He's confused. Wilder, preposterous power. But it just goes to show you, like, there's levels. Look at the chin of Tyson Fury. Tyson Fury, the 12th round, that first fight, drops oh, him. Right hand, left hook, and even does this. Like, it's over. Like, I got him. Yeah. I got him. Nope. He rises from rises. the dead. Just I remember watching crazy. that one live, and I couldn't believe it. I was, I was like, oh, that's it. He's alone done. Alone in my bedroom, screaming. <laughs> Alone in my bedroom screaming, oh my God, he's winning the 12th round. I I was, my live. wife was in the other room like, what the fuck are you yelling at? <laughs> I'm like, he's winning the fucking 12th round. This is insane. He almost gets killed. He gets back up and he wins. 
Plan B option if Usyk fight fails to happen is Ngannou. Oh, wow. Wow. Well, the Usyk fight's going to happen. It's the most important fight in boxing. I think that fight is gigantic because you got Usyk who's, you know, beats Joshua twice and the best movement in boxing and skillful. He's a heavyweight Lomachenko. Yeah. And was the cruiserweight champion is an undersized heavyweight. And you got Tyson, who's as big a heavyweight as you're ever going to see. Massive. Six, nine, long as fuck. Crazy. Agile with back fat. Like that picture right there. Crazy. I couldn't tell Go if his picture. pants were falling down or. Go back to that picture, Jamie. The, the picture just showed the Usyk, the backup fight, that he's a backup fighter. The one that you just had up. If you look, the rolls of fat off his back. Yeah, I mean, look, look at it there. Like, that back oh, fat yeah, is insane. Peak, peak male performance. The right bodybuilder. So you beat the bodybuilder. You haven't fought the Gypsy King. You're crazy, dude. He's the fucking best. His dad's out of his mind. Too. I love him. I love that guy. War Tyson Fury versus Alexander Usyk headed to Wembley in April. Huge boost to Brit British boxing fans. What a fucking fight that's going to be. My God, that's going to be amazing. I just don't know if Usyk has the size to deal with that guy. It's going to be interesting to see he, what he, strategy he employs, whether or not he can uh, avoid the big bombs and the the reach and the length. So long. But not the long lean type that we're talking no, about. No, 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 no. <laughs> a little different. A long, a little different. I mean, he doesn't give a fuck what his body looks like. He's no. just a fighter. Is he still... Is he sober? Is no. he not sober? He's no. back on the sauce now? He just doesn't drink in camp. Yeah, okay. I mean, I don't know if he's sober. I don't think he's sober. He's always... Well, He's that's what I mean. That's why I'm asking. I know he goes back and forth on... You know, he's... He's right in the head, and then he's not, and then you'll see him in a, in a clip, and he's had, you know, 14 pints. My mental pints. health. <laughs> well, you know, he's an inspirational story. I mean, he really is. I mean, the guy was like, he he, he beats Vladimir uh, Klitschko. He he becomes a heavyweight champion and then loses his fucking mind. Yeah. He's drinking constantly, almost committed suicide, was driving his Ferrari, thinking about just fucking driving off a cliff, and then gets it together. And becomes a heavyweight champion again. Yeah. And then wasn't fully all the way back when he fought Wilder. Yeah. And then fights Wilder in the rematch. And then now he's fucking tuned up and ready. Beats yeah. the brakes off of Wilder. And then the third fight, Wilder catches him with a bomb. Yeah. That bomb that he caught him where you see the fat ripple <laughs> all the way down to his body. Any other human. Any other human that Wilder not getting back up. Any other human. Nobody punches like Wilder. Nobody. Um. Because you like like we talked about, it's just it, it's in him. It's yeah. not he's not doing something in the gym with a trainer to get that kind of power. No. That's you were born with that gift. It's also being a gypsy and being around that fucking rough tumble brawling world yeah. his whole life. His dad's a fighter. His brother's a fighter. Everyone's a fighter around him. Just fucking savages. Just in the bones. Yeah, in the bones. Gypsy people, man. When he, whenever he talks about retiring, I'm like, not yet. Yeah. Don't do it. I I think that if he does beat Usyk, it's still possible because they're going to fight in April, right? Unless Ngannou decides to take a big money boxing fight before that, which I don't blame him for doing. But God damn it, if he beats Usyk, that's really the only compelling, interesting thing for him in that division. I mean... What else would be compelling? The Joshua fight? Not really. Not after the Usyk fights. Mm -mm. I mean, unless Joshua comes back, because they're talking about Joshua fighting Wilder, right? Isn't that the talk? No. They're talking about Ortiz fighting Wilder, right? No. <laughs> Ruiz. Andy Ruiz. 
right? That's what they're talking about. So Andy oh, Ruiz, Ruiz, they're talking yeah. about him fighting Wilder. If that's look, Wilder versus Ngana would be crazy. And that not, would be crazy. How about that fight? I just think as long as he gets something. Yeah, I just you know want I mean? to get if that. You're going to leave that contract on the table. I hope day. you get some big, big get fights, that man, because that was a big. Yeah. I mean, they offered him more money than any heavyweight before. But I think the sticking point, I'm talking out of school here because I don't know, just what I've read. Um, the sticking point, I think, was that he wanted to be able to go off and do boxing. Yeah. It, to his credit, he's like, hey, Conor McGregor did it. Why can't I do it? Yeah. And I get it. Yeah. I get it. I get it. But if I'm getting. Yeah. Hundreds of million dollars a fight, right? I on mean, the table, it's Connor hard to. A hundred million dollars in the Floyd Mayweather fight. Yeah, I mean, that's generational wealth. Yeah, like, how do you? But he locked out where the UFC wanted to partner with that and make yes. that happen, right? That's where that whole situation yes. really, and that's what Engano, I guess, wanted too. And it's yeah. just like, man, they probably did that one time, and we're like, all right, you know what? Yeah, that was a whole. What's well, also lot. if the boxer beats up the UFC fighter? Yeah, how many times you, do you want to sign up for that? You can't get the boxer to fight UFC. Yeah, the no. thing is, no one wants to do that. No one wants which, to do which that. Which I, I, you know, what drives me nuts though is these. You'll, you, they still will go and talk all this trash. A lot of these boxers. It's like you guys know that given a street fight rules. You're getting your ass. I mean, you're getting your ass kicked. I yeah. don't care who you are. An amateur fighter will kill you. Yeah, they're just going to yeah. take you down. You're getting you're getting choked out. Yeah, you will get leg kicked. You you won't be able to stop a takedown. They down. can sit there and just do yeah. this to you for right. 25 minutes if they want. Any like elite? Imagine uh, imagine any elite wrestler that gets in there with a boxer. The boxer has zero chance of not being taken down. Literally zero, yeah. unless that boxer is like Crawford. Like Terrence Crawford has a background in wrestling. Then yeah, then then That's and, if you, and if you don't know that, and yeah. you're like, oh, I'm just gonna take this guy down. He sprawls on you that one time and oh, cracks no. you. you. Can you imagine the panic that would oh set in? You're like, oh, oh my shit. god, I can't take him down. And oh, I'm no. fucked. Oh, now I gotta god. box this guy. That's a fight that we're missing out too. Him and Earl Spence. That's a fight we're missing out on. That 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 bums me out. I, I got to follow my. I mean, I with so much. There's we have so many fights now with the UFC that it's even hard for me to 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 keep track of. It's all, very hard. all the all the boxing stuff that's going on. Oh my god, I mean, we I have keep, fights every weekend. I keep track of that. I keep track of jujitsu. I keep track of all the elite kickboxers. That's why I was so excited when Pajeda fought in the UFC. I was telling been those following guys, him for a well, while. I was telling Dana a while ago. I was like, this guy just fought. He just fought MMA. Like he's. he's I remember he's watching Izzy back way. when he was still kickboxing. Mm -hmm. So when that debut came up, I I, I was excited about that. A friend yes. of mine had been telling me about him for a while. He said, you got to watch this guy's style. Oh better. yeah. Oh yeah. Yo, know, I contacted Izzy way before he fought in the UFC, and I asked him about it. And Izzy played it real smart. He was like, "They give me a lot of money to fight in China." He's getting a lot of money, and he's like, "I want to do this the right way, yeah, and get really prepared." And to his credit, he did because it perfectly. You, then what's the point? Congratulations, you you got offered a UFC contract, and you just got wrestled to death. Exactly, like, exactly. There's no point because he no turned point. it down a few times. I think. Yes. They yes. were trying to get him even earlier, but it's yes. He did it the right way. Yeah. He did it the right way. You know what these guys are going to try to do. If you come in with that kind of kickboxing pedigree, they're going to take you down. What do you think he does in the rematch? What do you think he does differently? Well, I mean, you got to remember that, that he, calf kick. Yeah, he was he was doing really well, and he had hurt him really bad. Uh, in Almost the, had oh, him stop. Oh, like right round. away. I couldn't yeah. believe it. I was like, oh, my God. Right hand, left hook at the bell. Yeah. 
But Pajeda came back in that second round like it never happened. Yeah. He's so big, dude. He's Do you see when he's standing next to stoic. Jamal Hill? Yeah. When him and he's like staring Just down Jamal Hill. Melting his face. <laughs> as soon as I saw that, and I as I was there, I didn't know what it hadn't been translated yet. I didn't know what Glover was saying. And he kept pointing back at Alex, and I'm like, yeah. oh, shit, he's setting up this fight now. Yes. He's going to retire, and he's setting up this yes. fight. And it wasn't what he was saying. He was saying he was going to focus on training. Oh, training him. Uh, Pareda. Yeah. But at first, I thought, uh, Jamal's open to it. Oh, man, I love that fight. I love Jamal, man. Dude, that guy <sighs> so good. has a lot of potential. And because, getting better all the time. And he took that fight. I mean, he didn't have a full training camp. Right. And he still fought five hard, long rounds against at extreme pace. Adorable yep. sons of bitches yep. that the UFC grappling has ever seen. Talent. Sh- Jamal and he's grappling. been saying that since the beginning. Like when, even when he was on Contender Series and we were talking to him, he's like, "I know I'm known for these knockouts, but he was telling everybody, listen, I got really good jiu-jitsu. Finally got to show it. I mean, if you can escape those positions in a title fight against somebody like Glover Teixeira in Brazil and get out and do what yes. you did, man. Yes. And did you see the uh, Yuri Prohaska thing? Oh my god! So find Yuri Pro, the Yuri Prohaska reaction Jamal's? and Jamal's reaction to Yuri. Where are you at though? <laughs> Jamal's so funny. Jamal, I don't want to say it because you need to see it. Jamal's so funny. He's funny on He's Instagram too. He's low key too. funny too. The way yeah. he—it's just that subtle, yeah. that subtle funny. Because I saw him. We were upstairs at, at the hotel because all our flights were leaving like crazy late from Brazil, and he had seen that video, and he's like. Where is he getting the internet out there? He's like, is he watching the fight out in the woods? Was he watching it? Or did he watch it and then go out into the woods? I'm like, yeah, I'm not sure. Yeah. So you find, yeah, that's it. Play this live so we can hear it. Play it. No, do it. Re- redo it so we can hear the whole thing. Because you gotta, okay. Congratulations. <laughs> He's out in the snow. I'm coming. I'm coming! No, but then Jamal's response to that, they have it back to back. Here it goes. <laughs> but where you at, though? <laughs> where you at, though? <laughs> By the way, that's what she said. <laughs> that's what she said! <laughs> But where you at? Though? He's the man. <laughs> He's the man. man. And it, you know, you talk about a guy who's got crazy power too, and and just intelligence of how to get that fucking power to your chin. I think that's the craftiness. What was underrated, and now I think after this this last fight, people are a little more aware of that. But he's very calculated. Very, man. very he's calculated striker. Even though yes. it looks like it's coming from unorthodox angles. When I talked to him afterwards, the head kick was planned. Like mm. they they knew in order to switch southpaw seamlessly without kind of giving everything away, that was their plan. It was like, all right, when we switch, Glover's going to see we're switching. So what are we going to do to kind of stifle him for a second so that we can transition into that Left high kick. Best thing you can do, man, yeah. is just throw a bomb. Because you have to address the head kick. You throw a body kick, a guy like Glover, what's he going to do? Catch it. He's going to catch it, he's yeah. going to take down. Even if you hurt him, he's going to drive through and potentially get the takedown. You throw it to the head, you're not catching head kicks. Yeah. Unless you get lucky, it bounces off and they... They, you know, treetop mm-hmm. you, but chances are they're going to go like this. Yeah, it it was interesting because he caught him a couple of times that head kick and wobbled Glover. The fo- he's got like a size 16 foot. <laughs> so think about it. Glover's blocking it. The 
big old foot is just wrapping around well, the side of his head. You know better than anybody. Even if you block it, just the it impact. rattles you. Yeah, it rattles everything. And I was even saying on the broadcast that it's a good idea, even if it doesn't hit his head. For people at home, we were talking about the leg kicks. Go ahead like this, and let me take a baseball bat. Yeah. Block this baseball bat. Right. It's gonna hurt even on your forearm. By the way, he, he he kicks harder than you can swing a baseball bat too. Yeah, of course. People need to know that too. Yes. Like, oh, because it's coming from you. down yeah. here, and your oh leg is bigger than a baseball yeah. bat. Yeah, and especially if someone has like real power in their hips and knows yeah. how to really swing it. I think he needs to keep developing that. If oh my he can god, keep yeah. developing that left kick and get a little more flexible because he, you could tell he's just hammering it up there. Yeah, it's like if he starts working that and gets sneaky behind. Maybe setting it up with mm-hmm. kind of like Leon did against Kamara, where you set it up with that that uh, that cross, kind well, of pump. So fake many it. good fights in that weight class, right? You have Yuri, who's coming back, gets the shoulder surgery, which hopefully not too soon, though, man. Right? Because apparently that was a pretty devastating injury that he had. I don't know what he all tore in there, but but you tell the story of what happened because it's kind of crazy. With, you know, with, you, know, you know the story with Yuri? No, his shoulder gets out of socket. In training camp, right, which is dangerous enough, right? Like, yeah. So his camp, they try to put the shoulder back oh, in. Oh, I heard they were... Yank <laughs> on and they tear it to shreds. So the doctor, the UFC doctor said it was the worst shoulder injury yeah. he'd ever seen. That's what I had heard. That's yeah. not I forgot good. that they said that... The, yeah, the, people trying to put it back in place, everybody just sees a video of a doctor doing that. And it's like... Well, you have to yeah. also recognize, too, and I, I hope Yuri knows this, and if he doesn't, maybe he's listening... Your muscle tissue will heal, heal faster than your connective tissue, your tendons and your ligaments. Yeah. You feel good, but it's not ready. No. That's why guys blow out their ACL again after doing it. Yeah, like they get like, their okay, surgery. I'm good to know, go. Yeah, yeah, it's yeah. It's like, yeah. no, man, yeah. not good to go. Ed Herman did that, right? He gets the ACL surgery, recovering from ACL surgery, feeling pretty good, blows it out again. Yeah. That's really common yeah. because the ligaments, even though they feel ready, the tissue around them is strong. The actual ligaments themselves go. are not. They take a long time. The blood supply is very weak. Um, so that's one of those injuries that, I mean. Shoulders I, are rough. Uh, shoulders and ACLs. I mm-hmm. mean, I had minor injuries throughout fighting to my knee, thank God, like meniscus stuff, that they go in and yeah, but even that, that your your knees kind of compromised after uh, to, that. To this to this day, because I'm missing the whole inside part of it. Basically, mm-hmm. if I'm just standing around, I can kind of like shake it. I can feel that it's yeah, it wobbles. I have, not, I'm missing yeah. that on my inside of my left leg too. Yeah, it wobbles. There's no cushion there. Yeah, I got an insufficiency fracture from skiing because I fell and my knees clashed into each other Ooh. because there's no ligament, uh, there's no meniscus on that side, yeah. and there was a crack. I was like, something's yeah. wrong. And yeah, that, that makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. You probably, even if you run too much with no meniscus, which is probably what I'm doing to myself at the, at the moment. My, oh, I'm sure you do. And my that. hip, something, you know like your hip bone? Mm. What runs across that? Is that part of your IT band that runs across, like literally across your... I don't know. Do you get it worked on? Do you get it looked at? Oh, I'm so bad at all that stuff, man. Are you? You just yeah, try to like, ignore like, it? I'm just going to... Uh, I'm good to go. You're saying that about blood work. Like, if I don't want to look at it. Oh, man. <laughs> like, Christine is... She's like, you need to go get your, your kidneys looked at. And I'm like, I don't... Does it bother you? Do they bother you? Some, <laughs> they sometimes hurt? I got a little twinge back on the right side here. And I think it's... Did you ever get kidney stones? Never had kidney stones, but That's I did have, uh, like, I had the rhabdo um, after the hooker fight. And I That's, was peeing, that scary I was shit. peeing Coca-Cola. 
Mm. And that's how I knew. And I mean, I, several what did times they do I peed to, blood. What did they do to fix the rhabdo? Flushed the shit out of me with IVs, basically, and made me wait in the hospital until my levels in the blood, they kept just taking little samples of blood. Rhabdo is something that a lot of CrossFit people get. Yeah, you just work your, yeah. you, you work your muscles so bad they start to break apart and, and like, a, like a... I forget what starts to go poisons your blood basically. Yeah, basically, rhabdomyolysis, right? That's Myalysis, right? Rhabdomyolysis, something like that. But it's very sketchy stuff. Yeah, it looks like you're peeing straight cola. Well, that's that when people say, "Oh, you, you, there's no such thing as overtraining." No, oh, no they're fucking most certainly is. You can literally destroy your kidneys from doing. Yeah, it. you could die, and you could yeah, die. People and die I think a lot rhabdo. of it for me was it was because of the damage to my actual muscles. Which was causing it. And because it wasn't the weight cut for that one. That one, I was dialed in for that one. So I know it wasn't putting too much strain in that. But 25 minutes of a dude hammering your calf, mm-hmm. calf starts to break. It was probably starting to break apart. It almost had compartments in it. This is the hooker fight? This is the hooker fight, yeah. And I broke my orbital. Jesus. That's a lot of stuff going on. Oh, dude, for when the longest fought- time, I was seeing like, uh, I was getting. Um, Double vision. It's fine since retiring. It's finally going away. But if I look to my right, even now, like if I was looking at you, this eye would start to kind of do its own thing a little bit. Ooh. Not anymore though. It's been good. When Bilal was telling me about getting his surgery, and when then, he got poked, yeah, and then he fucked up the other eye as well. <laughs> it's like you, you realize these these guys. You know about that guy, that Russian cat that's fighting the UFC just signed him. He has one eye. Oh, I saw. I saw that. Yeah. yeah. <clears throat> I didn't know he had one eye though. I thought it was eye. just discolored. No, no, no. It's useless. It's gone. Jesus. Yeah, his right eye. And I guess they're gonna let him fight. Which I always thought that Bisping game the system, which I think he did. In yeah, the, he kind of like. Yeah. You know. Well, Bisping would pretend that he could see out of it, so he would memorize the eye chart. And so, which, fucking, how tough is that guy? He's a G, bro. How tough is that guy? If guy fought eleven fights in the UFC, including winning the world title and defending the world title with one eye. With one eye. Fucking animal. Fucking animal. It's so crazy. You'll be sitting on... Which side is it? Which side is it? It's his right eye. It's his right eye. And man, like, he'll he'll bump in. I mean, it's legit. Yeah, Like, for anybody that's doubting Michael... No, he literally can't see out of that eye. eye. Yeah. And I remember when it went bad, the Vitor fight. Yeah. Vitor head kicked him. And And worse for wear is... That was... Super sauced up Vitor, right? Saucy Vitor. Saucy Vitor. That was back in the days where they allowed them to do testosterone replacement therapy, which is so (laughs) crazy. It's like, oh, I need some testosterone. It's like, you don't need that much. (laughs) Well, that was what was crazy about MMA is that, you know, it's such a new sport is that there was so much shenanigans that was allowed. Yeah. Like, look, if they started the UFC today, if the the sport started from scratch, do you think they'd allow extreme weight cutting? No, they would. If, no. if you were going to start it from the beginning, there'd be hydration testing. Yes, they would do. I don't know how one FC is doing it because apparently on one of the most recent one FC cards, nine people failed their weight. Their weight because they're trying to. Yeah, yeah, they're trying. They, to... they didn't make weight, so like I don't know what the fuck do you do with that. And when I'm looking at those guys in one FC, I'm like, how go to your drug test? Oh, what? They don't that, well, very well good. that's where it's like, wait a minute. <laughs> right. We're worried about them cutting weight. Meanwhile, these guys are taking. Yeah, every supplement known right. to mankind. It's like I don't know if we should be worried about the weight cutting, including we're probably diuretics. About... Yeah. yeah, if you get well, maybe not if they're doing a hydration test. Well, yeah, I, yeah, I don't. I, know. I was talking to Eddie a while ago about it when he was fighting for One FC, and he was kind of talking about uh, 
how he had to do the weight cut thing and how much he had to weigh. But I, I don't remember all the specifics, but I know it's you have to have a certain level in your urine or something like that so that they know. But how about there's that gotta be ways around cat it. that he fought in his first his first one fight? What's his name? Nastyukin? Is that his name? Oh, I don't even remember. I think it's Timothy. I think is literally the first letters of his name are nasty. <laughs> is that his, uh, Eddie Alvarez? He fought this fucking animal. It's like you need to know. Yeah. Oh yeah. Look at Nastyukin. Where's he from? Oh, Russia. Yep. Russia, <laughs> of, course. of course. Fucking tank. So big. He was so big. And, you know, when you oh, look yeah. at the size of that yep, motherfucker. Yep. That's natural. Ruthless striker. Ruthless fucking striker. But it's like. Oh, when, is he, is, was he the one that was crushing Eddie's legs yeah, too? Yeah, he stopped Eddie. He stopped Eddie in Eddie's first fight back. The first fight there. Eddie's but, tough, dude. I've trained, tough I've as trained shit. with him. And tough as shit. Uh, fucking animal. But, you know, I mean, look how big Nasty Ukin is. Look, he's taller than him, thicker than him. He's a yeah. big motherfucker. I mean, look, Eddie, you know, fought 55 in the UFC. That guy looks like a big 170. Yeah. I mean, he's a big Thick. fucking fella. But that's my point is that there's talent all over the world now. Yeah. There's not, like, the world-class talent is not limited to the UFC. We're getting these guys that enter into the UFC, and they're elite already. They already have, t they're 20-0, and 0, some of yes. these guys. Or 19-2, and 2, some crazy records like yes. that. Oh, dude, yes. That fucking cat that just fought... Um, that just knocked out Terrence McKinney mm. in Brazil. Um, uh, Bonfim, Bonfim brothers. Holy shit, is you he You want to talk about a guy Oof. that showed up and just had done his homework. Oh, my God. For dude. that fight, bro. And McKinney's a bad motherfucker, dude. McKinney, yeah. when he put it on Drew Dober and almost had Drew Dober out in that fight and showed how durable Drew Dober is and Drew Dober recovered and survived and wound up winning the fight, yeah. I was like, damn, McKinney's a future champion. But this fucking guy, this oh, guy, Bonfim is a monster. And He's his brother, so Savage as well. You see his oh, yeah. brother was watching back there. Look at that flying Right knee. on the neck. I oh, talked to God. Terrence after that, and I was like, He's like, bro, thank God that hit me here. He's like, my teeth would have been gone. Yeah, because he didn't have his, his mouthpiece, mouthpiece in at out. that time. Which I was wondering why the referee didn't put the mouthpiece back in. Because there was a lot of time there between the mouthpiece falling out. They could yeah, have, we, I think separation. we said it. We're like, why wouldn't you put this in here? But What a brilliant flying knee, though. I mean, the way he set it up shows him the right oh, switch man. knee. And, you know, that was what uh, Faraz Ahabi was talking about when he when he um, justified the stoppage with Israel versus uh, Pajera. He was like, nobody has a better switch knee than Pajera. Oh. When you're, if you're lingering yes. your head in front of that dude, that motherfucker, stop the fight now because please. you're not coming. You're, you're not going to come back the same person after a knockout like that because you're already messed up. Yes, and then you let Peta smash you in the face with, one with of the, the flying most powerful knee. moves in all of MMA. Yeah, no. If you watch his fight with Jason Wilness in Glory, where yeah. he stops Wilness with that flying knee. His fucking, and the first fight he had in the UFC where he knocked yep. that cat out with flying knee. And that guy taking him down a bunch, and then it just all takes one of those, it's a game changer. Yeah, but these guys like Bonfim and his brother, his brother, the other Bonfim, uh, it's Israel and Ish Ishmael, Ishmael and, and Gabriel. Gabriel. And Gabriel won by guillotine. Yep. I mean, both those guys, fucking talented. And both against legit dudes. Yes. Um, uh, Gabriel fought um, Munir Lezez. Yes. He's a good, yes. good, good, Very fighter. good fighter. Very and good he, fighter. And he made him shoot. He made him panic shoot. Yep. He pressured the shit out of him, mm -hmm. and he made him, and it, that's his thing. He's like, God, 
Yeah. And it's funny, they're both so well-rounded. But you can tell Gabriel forces guys into these grappling exchanges, whereas Ishmael, you can tell that dude just wants to take your head off. But both, can they can both do either one. Both either one. And also, like, the movement and management of distance is fucking phenomenal. Like, elite world class. I mean, that's what I said when you watch that fight. I'm like, you're watching these guys in their debut fight in the because UFC. Because they've been tested against yes. legit talent. If you yes. look at the records of the guys they fought, they fought some legit dudes. Whereas back in the day, you know, you could be 10-0 and 0 getting into the UFC and you didn't fight. You might have fought one or two guys at the end there to get. Right. Joe Silva's attention back in the day because I remember when you were trying to get in, he'd be like, "Can you, you, you got to go beat somebody right, for right. me to sign you? Mm-hmm. you? You could be fifteen and zero, but if you've beaten a bunch of guys that are all zero and ten, what we're you're going to get here with a great record and then get murdered." Joe Silva was so brutal. <laughs> he was so brutal. He sent my ass to Brazil <laughs> because we begged for a guy that was in the top fifteen. He's like, "Sure, here you go. Got to go fight Masaranduba down in." I was like, "Anybody else?" He's like, "That fight or no fight." Yeah. Like, okay. But I guess you kind of have to be like that. If but you... then if you got hurt, though, and I had a good relationship with Joe, but one time when I hurt my knee, I had to pull out. He's like, unbelievable. You're hurt? You got to pull out? Great. But what like, you bro, I hurt my, do? I tore my meniscus. What do you want me to do? I had a bucket handle tear. That's the I was worst. at Cowboys Ranch doing this. I was wheeling around in a chair. Because I couldn't stand up. Yeah, those are the bucket handle tears what I had. It Same locked thing. up. It locks yeah. up. That's horrible. Terrible feeling. I tried to re- rehabilitate mine. I actually got it stitched up. Yeah. Because it was the same knee that I tore my ACL and I got it stitched up. But you, you just can't. The, the meniscus just goes, man. Yeah, it once just, it's just it, wear and tear, man. Do you know they're doing meniscus replacements now? Yeah, back, back when I had it done, cadaver, they were just cutting that shit out. Cadaver meniscus now. They're taking, but apparently as you get older, it's less and less effective. It's yeah, because like, it probably won't yeah, take. Yeah, blood flow. It's yeah. just a blood flow thing. But I always wonder, like, when they say blood flow, are they talking about that for elite athletes? Like, how much blood flow are we talking about? If you're talking about for a regular person, maybe, because they're not training and they're not going to rehabilitate it to the extent that, like, a guy yeah, like, like you my, would do. Yeah, like my mom right, getting right, a meniscus right. versus... Us you. getting one yeah. who are going to go and work out every day. It's yeah. going to be a different different situation. Yeah. yeah. Um, but I don't know. just what, I mean, I always just thank God for medical science. Because just think about, I have a, both my ACLs reconstructed. I would be a hobbling mess of a man if I lived at any other time. Yeah. My friend Steve. <laughs> You'd be broken. I'd be broken. I wouldn't be able to do it. And I could do everything. It's crazy. I mean, I'm 55, and my body works as good as it worked when I was 30, yeah. which is nuts. With hormone replacement and stem cells and peptides oh, yeah, and all the shit, it's amazing what you can do now. When I was a kid, I thought of a 55-year-old man. Like, that's a dead man. Oh, yeah. That's not a guy with a six-pack who's throwing kettlebells around. Like, that, that's it's a totally different, <laughs> it's different world. It is. It is different. I mean, I, I thought the same thing. Like, if you thought of... Somebody that was even over 45, I'd be like, oh, man, that's, you know, you, time to settle in. And When I was a kid, when I was old. 19 years old, I used to work at an athletic club. I worked at the Boston Athletic Club, and Bobby Orr used to come in and work out. And Bobby Orr, who's one of the greatest hockey players that's ever lived, Bobby Orr can barely walk. Yeah. This poor guy, because he's had those old school surgeries where they would cut your leg open like a fish. Yeah, you're and screwed. And just bolt things down and staple it together. Well, Bobby would get on the Versa Climber machine, and we would have to help him get on this machine because his, his, his legs would go, this is the range of motion. It goes from this to this. Yeah. He, I mean, never fully extended. Either look at that's his knee. Uh, Bro, when you see it in real life, it's, it's like a it, brain. Yeah, it's horrible. 
And again, he I'm sure he probably has knee replacements now. But like when they worked on his knee back then, look, it's black and white photos. Look at his knees there. That photo there with the two of them with the see the big scar, the the color one down there. Don't make me bust out the fucking him. thing. I don't think that's him. That's, that's not him? No, it just says old guy hockey. I don't uh, <laughs> old guy hockey. Knee replacement. Right. Yeah. That's but those yeah. big slices like that. Well, they do knee replacements now. Um, you know, Kelly Starrett, who's a, uh, a very famous uh, strength and conditioning coach, he blew his knee out and eventually got a, a knee replacement. And he says it's amazing. He said he could do everything with it. And Michael Bisping, both yeah, of his he's knees. Got, he's got two of them. Yeah. Um, old, old guy hockey. I think for me, it's always it's just going to be my hip someday is going to go. No doubt. Well, have I've you got any stem cells in there? No. Oh, you should. You'd be amazed. Yeah. You'd be amazed at what they can do. Get, take a trip down to Colombia, my friend. I, I see everybody Panama. doing these yeah. things now, yeah. Well, you know, Aljamain's doing that right now. Aljamain, there was an article I read this morning. Aljamain is trying to avoid bicep surgery. He has a torn biceps, mm. and uh, he's going down to Colombia right now to uh, get it get shot stems. up. Yeah. Because they're trying to get him to uh, fight. Um, they're trying to get him to fight uh, Henry Cejudo yeah. in April. Sooner than he wants, yeah. Right. So here we are right now, and we're uh, in February. So you That's got really soon. March, April. Yeah, I don't like it. What does it say? Next week I'm off to Medellin, Colombia for bioaccelerator stem cell treatment program. Very optimistic this will get me back and ready to compete sooner than later. <clears throat> well, this is where I'm a big fan of the Conor McGregor approach to avoiding the USADA testing pool. Yeah. You know? I mean just to heal up. And- I don't know what Connor did. I don't know what's happening when he's outside of that pole, but I've never seen a guy get that big before. Not big, and um, <laughs> he looks just amazing. recover from a broken shin like it was no big deal. I mean, look at Chris Weidman. Yeah, he was having all kinds of complications with that thing. It's not an is. easy surgery to come back from, and infections and stuff like mm-hmm. that can start to happen. Look at Luke Rockhold, who couldn't even get over a staph infection. That is still, he still puts on sleeves on that shin. Mm-hmm. That's yeah. man, it's crazy. But that is better than the break. The break. So the break is very. It's very rare that someone comes. I mean, Anderson is the only guy that's really come back. Wyden still hasn't come back. No, he hasn't had a fight since that that fight with Uriah. I mean, it's uh, it's a devastating move. And also Tyrone Spong when he fought Gokhan oh, Saki, yeah. same thing. That's just it, it's horrifying. It's like nightmare fuel very breaking scary. your shin like that. And as a fighter, that mm-hmm. you have nightmares about. About that, the first time that happened in the UFC was Corey Hill, and I remember oh, screaming yeah. at the referee, "Stop the fight!" Yeah, because the referee, I don't didn't think, know. He recognized it yet. It's he like, recognized it eventually, but he didn't. He, he step back on it mm-hmm. too. Yeah, That's they always the do. Worst, they always do because you, you, yeah. it's your instinct. You don't even know. Smack. Well, you don't know it's broken yet. You just know it hurts. I mean, yeah, how many like, times oh, does shit. it hurt and not break? You know, <sighs> but that's the thing about shins. It's like when I'm that surprised thing it hasn't snaps, po- uh, haven't they haven't had any uh, crazy. Uh, what is it called when it pops through the skin? Compound, Compound fractures. fractures. I'm That's surprised Weidman we haven't seen did. that. Weidman did it? did, yeah. Weidman's popped out the back of his leg. Uh, yeah, pop, popped out the back of his calf. I mean, Chris has been, how many years out now? Is it two? That's been a while, man. When was the Uriah Hall fight? I want to say it was 20. I want to I want to say it was 2020. It might be more than two years. 2020 or 2021? I mean, first kick he throws. Full blast. Just snap. Oh, God. 21. 21. April of 2021. So, yeah, we're, we're closing it on two years now and still hasn't been able to come back. Fuck, man. 
Chris Weidman, his, that's another guy, man. When he was in his prime, he was such a motherfucker, dude. I mean, to take out... Everybody. When he beat Silva, though, that was when we were all like, man, nobody's going to beat this guy. Can, right. Can't beat this guy. This yeah. can't beat this guy. And he was beating Luke Rockhold, and he throws a wheel kick. Isn't that wild? That that one kick, which, by the way, not a good kick either. He's not good at it. It's not his You're thing. You're a wrestler, Chris. Yeah. I mean, why did he decide to do that? And then he gets taken down and smacked. And Luke Rockhold's top game crushed him. Ooh, his top game is fucking nasty. Yeah. What he did to Lyoto Machida. Yeah, I was I'm, I was in the stands for that one. I was watching that one. Look, Chris Weidman was a bad motherfucker. Chris Ma Here it is. Yeah. Chris Weidman was such a bad motherfucker. Like, Look, that throws was so that, bad. So bad. <laughs> and then he gets wrestled down. He gets taken down and just destroyed. I mean, it's such a bad kick. And Luke Rockhold, when he gets on top of you, he's one of the worst guys to ever have on top of you. The David Branch fight when he got on top of him and smashed him. I mean, Luke was so fucking good at top game. His his fucking jujitsu is so underrated. I mean, oh, I don't even say it's underrated. Yeah, it's just he's like, good, man. He, he, if he had just completely concentrated only on jujitsu, I think Luke could have been a world-class jujitsu competitor. Yeah. He's so fucking strong. And he, he came up with that camp with DC yeah. and Cain Velasquez. So he's like in there with these elite heavyweight wrestlers all the time. He just loves he loves that left kick as well. Isn't it crazy, though, that like one fight like that with Weidman just changes the trajectory of his career? Yep. Before that, he's this destroyer. The Lyoto Machida fight, I said. A, a, like, remember that fight? He gets Lyoto down and just smashes it. Yeah. Bad. Like, Jesus Christ. Chris was so mentally tough. And so fucking good at everything. Great striker, great wrestling, tough as fucking nails. It's almost like you, you get these one moment where things don't go right and then you can't... I don't know if it's the competition around you sees a weakness in you and then they aren't as intimidated by mm. you and then starts to... But I think it also is just... This game is so young... And people are getting so good so fucking fast, mm. man. Like, nowadays, these kids, it, it, it's it's unbelievable how Raul good Rosas they are. Jr. 19 years old? He's not even. He's 18, 18, right? 18 years old, fighting in the UFC. And well, he's fighting. He's got a good fight, over. too. He's fighting Christian uh, Christian Rodriguez, yes. who I trained with at Rufus Sport for years. Very good That's fight. That's going to be a good fight. Very good fight. Yeah. That kid is... He had a little stumble on the Contender Series where he didn't make weight, didn't get signed on that, and then he lost his debut up at 45 to uh, Jonathan Pierce, right? Jonathan P JSP. Mm -hmm. And but his last fight, he looked unbelievable. The kid can grapple. Kid's got unbelievable kickboxing. I think he's training with Henry Cejudo and those guys now out in Arizona. When you're that good at 18, they're throwing you right to the wolves. It's just like what the sky's the limit for these guys. And then you know there's. A bunch of guys like that out there yeah. that, are, that are fighting in LFA, that are fighting in this organization. Dude, you just go into these gyms, go into yeah. these mega gyms, and just if you watch a practice, the mats are filled with these. You're like, what the? Beating, beating up some UFC pros mm -hmm. and stuff, and nobody knows who they are yet because they've grown up with that's all they know. Right. They don't know, oh yeah, I did Taekwondo as a kid, and then I did some boxing, and then I did X, Y, and Z. It's like, no, I do MMA. And they get I to watch all the best fighters ever. If you go back to like the early days of the UFC, like what are they basing their style on? Yeah. I mean, they basically were figuring it out. Yeah, they were figuring it out as they went along. And there's also a thing with fighters where 
when you're operating at like fucking redlining at this, you only have a certain amount of years. Like I think there's like a principle that a lot of people try to apply. I don't think it's universal, but it's a nine year thing that as an elite MMA fighter, you really only have like nine years. Yeah. Nine years where you just at the top and then eventually like Tony Ferguson we were talking catch about up. or Fedor Fedor is another great example of that Yeah where you're the the goat you're the, mm-hmm. one of the greatest heavyweights of all, and then it's just like you're getting the wheels fall getting off getting beat up Yeah I feel like if you go back to those days the early days of pride that the Fedor that was dominating people in pride was m- one of the most impressive fighters that has ever fucking lived Yeah God damn he could do it all He could catch you with arm bars off of his back he would just, re- recover from being taken down and immediately roll into Kimura like the Randleman fight. Yeah, get smashed on his neck. Yes. Look like he was going to... Yeah. Look like you, the person should be dead. Should be Amazing. looking at a dead body and then armbar. And, you know, again, <clears throat> it's like you only have so many years that you can operate at that level. How many training camps can you get through? How many, oh. how many times can your body take that kind of punishment? That's why you got to get out. You got to get out even when maybe you think... Oh, I, I got a few more fights. Like, there's no doubt in my mind. I have five more fights that I could have done. How old are you now? 38. 38. <clears throat> so you still, it seems like the back of your fucking head. So Ow. A little, bit of, a little bit of an ember back there. No, it's, I mean, it's it's always, but it's always going to be there. <laughs> Listen, I'm trying to start an acting career. I'm trying to do a triathlon <laughs> career. I'm trying to be a commentator. Uh, yeah. I got. To, I th- well, you know what? I'm I'm lucky though, man, because you you can see why guys overstay their welcome. Yes. You gotta make fucking. You gotta yes. make money. It's your job. Yes. Yes. You didn't know anything else anymore. Yeah. And then suddenly everybody's like retire, and it's like, well, f- screw you. What do you mean? Re- I'm 38. I'm 37 or 40. It's like, what do you mean retire? Right. What am I gonna do now? Right. So you see why guys have to fight past that. I, I was super super lucky and blessed to get the commentary job where i can think okay do i want to keep fighting why am i still fighting and i just didn't see a picture for the belt anymore and if i don't see a picture for the belt i always told everyone around me my mom my loved ones i said if i don't think that i can fight and win the championship i'll retire and that day came there's fights where guys take that one too many fights and it's just like you see it coming like with Frankie it was Chris mm. Gutierrez yep I was like Chris Gutierrez is so slick he's so good I didn't good. like that fight from I did I not like that it. fight I love watching Chris fight Chris is so fucking smooth and technical I just love his style man he's good like his man. movement and style and all the, the jukes and fakes and just oh and, and, and you're talking about a guy who has unbelievable knees. Yes. And that's been in his career. Yes. And you match him up with Frankie. Yeah, and he and catches like, him with the perfect knee and flatlines him for his la- with his kids in the audience. I'm like, that's oh. Like, and that's the other thing. A lot of people are like, why don't you come back and do a retirement fight? No, no, I'm no, like, no. why? So I can get knocked out in front of everybody that yeah. I love? No, I like what you're doing. I like, I like that you found a new thing to do. Never been knocked out. That's amazing. Never been knocked out. You got the a only stoppage, chin. The only stoppage was due to uh, the cut. It's the only time I've what been. What fight was taking, that? Trinaldo. Oh. Peeled my whole mm. face open. <laughs> Dude, you could see the whole yeah, eyebrow. The skull. Yeah. Well, that's a that's a, a an amazing accomplishment to, to fight the guys that you fought. Got fight Edson Barboza twice. Oh, 
Barboza's switch kick to this day, when he was in his prime, Barboza had the craziest switch kick I think I've ever seen in my life. Oh. It would be like oh, you were watching a video and frames were removed or something. Yeah. Like, how is he that fast? It would just, and that's exactly how it feels when you're fighting. <laughs> move along. And but it was interesting that like his hands never really matched the level of his kicks. No. Really wild, right? Yeah. I mean, he punched me a couple times. I mean, as square on the jaw as you can hit somebody. It's like, I was never worried about his punches. It was just, it was just kicks his kicks and his knees. Yeah, everything. Like even against the fence, if you're you're you know grappling for position, and you just kind of dig a few in, you're like, fuck. Yeah. Well, that was one one of the times that I knew how special Khabib truly was. Was when Khabib got a hold of him, and you saw this look on Edson's face, like this thousand yard stare. Yep. Like what the fuck? I, I I thought the same thing. Yeah. That's when I was like, okay, I I tried to do that. And that ain't easy to do to that guy. Right. And I've trained with Edson after the fact that I fought him the first time. And he's not an easy guy to, like, hold down. I mean, he's strong as shit. Yeah. And then you see Habib's just like... Boom. Just yeah, sitting there. just smashing. Smash just had so much control and power. What, what do you think happens to John Jones? When John Jones gets up to heavyweight, we've never seen him fight it. I, I've, I've heard... All the training room stories about him ragdolling heavyweights. John at heavyweight's going to be even better because he's not diminished by making that cut yeah. to 205. And John's always, I mean, he definitely has a frame for a heavyweight. And he looks good now. He's 254, 253. Big as fuck. I'm, I'm excited about it because towards the end of his light heavyweight reign, you know, he's kind of playing with his food a little bit out little there, bit, right? Yeah. And had that fight where... You know, a lot of people think he lost, but really, I think a lot of it was just him being lazy. To be honest with you, now at heavyweight, I think, I think we're going to see him come out and try to, well, hopefully, make some freaking statements. Well, there's also he has been out for all these years. You know, he's been how many years now? It's been two plus years yeah. since he's fought, and you know, you wonder, does he have ring rust? Does he does he come back hungrier? And also, I definitely don't think he has ring rust. But he's dealing with the most mobile and agile heavyweight in the business. Three, Three. years. Wow. February 2020. Wow. And the Dominic Reyes fight, the last fight that he had, arguably lost that decision. I mean, many, in the moment, many people. Many people I, thought in the he, moment, I thought he lost it. You know, John is famous for doing just enough in training and with some of those guys. That's what I'm saying. Gustafson. I think at heavyweight, hopefully. Well, he's he training with Cejudo, that. which I really like. Yeah. At least he's doing some of his camp with Cejudo, which I really... Henry Cejudo is a goddamn genius. He is a fight genius. Well, I mean, you got a guy who... Olympic champion, then double champion. It's, uh, clearly, the man understands combat sports he knows on another win. level. He knows how to win. And he knows how to win. And Mighty Mouse told me when he went to train with him, he said he was so impressed by how systematic he was. And the the game plan, his strategy, and how he, he, he puts everything together. Yeah. He said, I've never seen anybody that's so meticulous in their preparation. Yeah, and you see you see that even in the fighters that he's training now. And mm -hmm. I, that's why I'm excited to see him come back. I mean, put all the cringe stuff and all that, whatever. Oh, that's kind of funny. Right? He, yeah, that's his whole <laughs> that's his whole thing. But um, it, his skills? Oh, un, undeniable. Undeniable. I mean, the way he chopped down Dominic Cruz, I was like, oh, my God. Oh, my God. The way he beat the fucking brakes off of TJ Dillashaw. Oh, yeah. my God. Yeah, oh, my God. I mean, he's a monster. And the fact that he comes back from Mighty Mouse beating him in the first fight quick, stopping him early with knees to the body, 
and you know, and then comes back and beats him in the second fight after getting his calf kicked out from under him. Remember? Yeah. yeah. He got that drop foot. That was a, one of the first times where we saw yes. that. Where I was like, what the hell is that? Yeah. Looks like his ankle's broken. Mm -hmm. And then he, yeah, he came back and won the decision. He knows how to win. Um, I love him and Aljamain. That is a very fascinating fight because Aljamain's strength is his grappling. You know, Aljamain, when he gets your back, dude, there's not a better fucking person in any division. Aljamain, that backpack, whoo! Yeah, it's unbelievable. And how the way he, he looked that, against TJ, he looked against TJ like obviously TJ had a fucked up shoulder in that fight, but but Aljamain looked like a dominant champion. Yeah, he looked like he's coming into his own. I mean, he's the perfect bill for thirty five. Fucking Big shredded. Boy shredded at 35 yeah so muscular and strong and so fucking so talented and also just confident everything's together yeah and he's he, he, from the distance which is he's so good with his kicks right and that's something he works on constantly because when you think about it if you're a really strong grappler and you're a guy who you wanted to get to the ground you've got a great wrestling base why wouldn't you work on having those kind of weapons, those long-range weapons, like, come on, mm -hmm. you try you try to close the distance on me. Right. Because if you don't, I'm just going to sit out here and I'm going to kick the shit out of you, literally, with my kicks. Front kick the fuck out of your body. I'm going to front kick you, I'm going to yeah. roundhouse kick you, mm -hmm. I'm going to learn some spinning kicks. He was working, I saw him doing a little bit of like traditional martial arts at the apex. Mm. But that's genius. Yeah. Because you're forcing your opponent's to have to close the distance, mm -hmm. and you're a freaking wrestler. Well, Cowboy was always so good at that. Cowboy would throw high kicks because his guard was so good. Yeah. People forget in the early days of Cowboy's oh, career. Oh, he wanted you to, yeah. He, want, he was triangling the fuck out of people. Yeah. Cowboy's grappling is so underappreciated. Oh, bro, the amount of times that I have been choked <laughs> by Donald Cerrone. Those legs. I also, hate it. And you go at his ranch, and he's up at freaking elevation in Edgewood, New Mexico. So you're training at like 7,500 feet above sea level, coming from Philly. And then this dude's wrapping triangles and body triangles around you Ooh. and just talking shit to you the whole time. <laughs> you're like, God damn, I hate him. Is this the size of him now? Yeah, he's, he's, he's yoked up right now. now. I, so I commented big. on his thing. I was like, do you even lift, dude? Like, what are you doing? He comments on all my shit. He's like, nope, no, no, that's where we're different. I ain't doing any of that shit. He's not lifting? No, of course he's, yeah, he's, he's definitely lifting. lifting. He's, that's why I made a joke. I'm he's like, gigantic now. He's, he's got to be 200 pounds now. He's fucking gigantic. Yeah. That photo of him with, with the, was wearing a tank top and you look at he's his massive. arms. He's like, massive. And he was never like that. He couldn't, he couldn't gain weight to save his life. Yeah. Back in the day. No, you get older, man. Mexican supplements, bro. And some, you know, look at proper the beef. fucking neck on him. Yeah. Look at his neck. That's preposterous. Coach Ray. Look at that. Yeah. It's um it's an interesting time, man. It's an interesting time to be a commentator. It's an interesting time to be a fan. You know, there's just so much talent and so much going on. And this is the only sport, really, in our lifetime where you can go back 20 years and it's almost unrecognizable. Yeah. The, the difference in the talent level between 2000 and 2023 is so extreme. It's so different to watch how good guys have gotten. and They're how Everywhere. Yeah. They're good everywhere. 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 From These the kids jump. can do a flying knee, flying mm -hmm. triangle, and then... Hit you with just a beautiful double leg and transition yeah. seamlessly in, in their wrestling, and they know how to do it on the fence. Mm. They know how to. And then you, you know, hate it. it's it's such a it's amazing. It's really and you you got to wonder like what are we looking at ten years from now? I mean, when you got these Bonfim dudes coming in that are you know one fight in the UFC and he looks like a world champion. It's like, gonna be it's gonna you're gonna see some 
crazy good fights and some crazy finishes, man. Yeah. I think because as long as the competition keeps getting up like that, you're not. I mean, sometimes mm-hmm. you're going to catch, but like McKinney to do that to yes, I know <laughs> do that to McKinney and to catch him like that. And you know McKinney, to his credit, like what a what a class act he is. Like after the fight, doing did shots, shots with them, and then posts it, you know, and and posts a photo of the two of them together. Good for him. He's yeah, such he's, a guy, great character. He's a good kid. He's just he's so young. I mean, these, these guys they take losses now. It's like they're just you just don't want to see too many of those kind of mm-hmm. knockouts early in a kid's career too. It's like God. Pull up that card, uh, that March card, please. The the one in Vegas, because that whole fucking card is crazy stacked. Is this March fourth? Yeah, the whole card is so fucking stacked. <clears throat> I'll be in Vegas for that one. Not working, but I'll be doing. Uh, I'm doing like a triathlon camp out there. Valentina Shevchenko yeah. versus Alexa Grasso. That's a great fight. Jalen Turner. Yeah, taking on dude, Dan Hooker, dude. Jalen Turner is a motherfucker, dude. You talk about a guy coming into his own. Yeah. Jalen Turner, and he as as big oh, Jeff as you Neal, can get Shavka. at 155. Yeah, he's like 6'4", I think. Oh, Nickel and Jamie Pickett. Oh, I love that. I love oh, that. There you go. Derek Br- uh, Brunson versus Duplessis. Drekus Duplessis. Yes. Ian Gary, he's a bad motherfucker too. I'm not a Son Keenan. Is that is he is that a debut? No, no, he's he's had a few fights. He, I haven't, seen, I don't think I've commented. I've seen his him, but I, I think I called one of his fights. Ian Gary's a bad motherfucker too. And man. you know what? He Ian had that one standout knockout, but I, I I feel like his ceiling is still hasn't been reached. He hasn't really shown what he's gonna. Do in the UFC no, yet? I, I, so I, I, I still think he's got a lot to show in a good oh, way. Oh yeah, well he's so young. How old is he and Gary? He's got to be in his mid twenties. He's young as fuck, man. He's he's got massive, massive potential. Twenty five years old. Twenty five. Woo! Yeah, and tall too for the weight class. Tall yeah. and slick. And Cody Garbrandt versus Julio Arce. Yeah. I think that might have changed. I think Julio is out. Oh, really? I mean, it's not changed on there yet, but I think I just saw a post saying that he was he was out of that fight. I don't know who Cody's going to fight, but tough road for there's Cody. There's another one, man. Yeah, another that, guy. The lead of the like, elite at oh one point God. in time, and you know, and then just yeah, a couple. And well, and I know Cody's had trouble with. I think he was knocked out really bad when he was young and up and coming too. Yes. So. Someone KO'd him very early on in his career, real bad. Yeah. And so Arce injured, bounced from Cody Garbrandt yep. fight. Well, still enough time. Towards oh the yeah, ACL. there's tons of tons. Oh, that's a sad. Yeah, that's a bummer. That's a bad one. So who do they get? Not no word. No word uh, where the promotion plans to keep Garbrandt on the fight card. You know, with Cody Garbrandt, after all those KOs, you got to wonder, like, how many more does he have left? You know, when, when a guy gets KO'd a gang of times, like, there's a lot of people that they it gets to a certain point in time, you're like, someone needs to step in and stop this from happening. Yeah. You know, like, like, it was like four in a row or something for him. Man. Yeah. I mean, you just, you're a young guy. I, I, I you just, you, this sport's rough on our heads to begin with. Yeah. But when you've been, Put out that many. That's when you really got to think. Hey, maybe it's yeah. maybe it's time. I mean, if he goes and gets on another win streak, but well, mm. Sugar Sean O'Malley was talking about this. Uh, the, the, what's that gentleman he works with, Dan Garner? Um, the, the guy they're working on a concussion protocol, 
and like to rehabilitate people from hmm. concussions and that there's things you can do to help yourself recover and heal. Yeah, Whereas, I mean, you think there'd got to be, right? Because yeah. what you can it's got to be something with the fluids and and like what what causes some people to have brain damage and other people don't. That's the the real issue too is I've talked to um the doctors at, at um the Cleveland Clinic. I've been part of a study that they do, they offer everybody in the UFC and a lot of NFL guys and all that. That every year they'll you go back and you do the same series of tests and they run the same exact scans. And I went because I was having some headaches when I fought twice in a row. I fought Ross right after I fought Edson the first time, and I for like a month I had a headache and I was like, "This is not normal." Ooh. And it turns out I just had a really bad concussion that I wasn't knocked out, but it doesn't mean you don't have a concussion. And I was right. having all these symptoms. So I went and had all that testing done. And I just recently, last year, I went back. And it's amazing. I mean, I aced everything that I failed the, the, the first time I had went. I My scans all came back clear. And I was talking to the doctor. And I was like, some of these guys will fight only a few times and have severe brain damage and all this kind of stuff. Why am I no, showing no signs of any of that? He's like, a lot of it's genetic. And how you're Mark Hunt. Just, you're just, yeah. Mark Hunt, like, you know, he, he jokes around about it. He's like, mate, I'm Polynesian. Yeah. <laughs> I can fucking take it. It's just, it's, it's true, true, man. It's true. Did you see Mark Hunt knock that fucking undefeated boxer out? Did you see that? No. Bro. F pull that up. Mark Hunt, I love they, Mark they Hunt. bring him in. He f fights his cat in Australia. This guy is this uh, undefeated, up and coming heavyweight boxer, young, good looking guy. And Mark Hunt <laughs> puts it on him and, and flatlines him in front of everybody. Crazy, He's huge, dude. huge underdog, forty plus years old, been through wars. Former K one Grand Prix champion. Don't let him touch your chin. Oh my God, Mark Hunt, the king of the walkaway KO. So he's fighting this guy, oh, uh, yeah, Sonny Bill kid. Williams, jacked out of his mind. Jack, big, tall. Look at him, and you Mark know, looking like he's suffering through it. And uh, it's a boxing match too, by the way. You know, it's not. He doesn't even get to kick you with those fucking tree trunks. And Mark Hunt stopped him, and it was crazy. I mean, he was Mark Hunt was oh. brought in. He caught him with that right hand. Mark Hunt was brought in to be the big name. Look at that left hook, boom, right hand drops him, dude. That's a huge win, a huge win. And I don't know if Mark Hunt's going to fight again, and that might be the end of it. But this dude gets back up, and Mark Hunt puts it on him. Oh, Mark yeah. Hunt, one of the last guys. Oh, oh, look at that right hand. Oh my goodness. Oh my goodness. Look at that left oh. hook. Oh. Oh, that's it. He can't even argue. Mark motherfucking Hunt. <laughs> what a savage. What a savage he is. What a fucking savage. Yeah, that dude is. You know, and he had that crazy lawsuit. I don't know what happened I with know. that. I know, yeah. I don't know what happened <sighs> with it either. But you know, these legends, man, you know. It's, uh, it's such an honor to be around these guys and just to get to see. Oh, dude, I've gotten to call... A couple of his fights, and every time I interviewed him, I'm just like, bro, Mark motherfucking like, I, I, I'm happy to just yeah, be just be calling talking your to fight, him. dude. Yeah, man. You're, yeah. I was, I've been watching him do pride fights, kickboxing fights, oh, just yeah. you know, doing shit like that for bro, the longest time. He took a crow cop high kick. <laughs> he took a crow cop high kick right on the fucking dome and just got up. Yeah, I mean, who does that? Uh, crow, no one else. No. Crow Cop cracks you. I mean, that was another one, man, that I loved him back in the day. And oh then he comes God. over to the UFC and it just doesn't, 
It yeah. didn't pan out. I'm, well, I was so excited when he was coming over because I'm, you know, coming from a striking background, mm-hmm. that left kick. I'm like, hell Ooh. yeah. And um, just remember when he fought Heath Herring mm-hmm. and he, he, his shin disappeared in, in, his, in Herring's body. Yeah. Just, his left shin just went so deep in his body. There's a photo of Krokop landing that left body kick. And it's just it, like folded it's over. It's literally it. like inside his rib cage. It's so deep into his body cavity. And that's the left kick, man. Oh my god! Look at this photo. Look at that. Look oh, at that. Oh yeah, dude. Are you're, you fucking kidding you're me? You're peeing a lot of blood after that one, dude. Crow cops power kick that left kick. You know he would say right kick hospital, left kick cemetery. Yep. <laughs> my god, that kick was so insane. When you see that image. Of that thing, and remember when he knocked out Vanderlei? He lands that high kick on Vanderlei and flatlines him. Lit him open too, didn't he? Oh my God! Yeah, giant. Yeah, here's the like. Oh, I mean, you know, what are you doing? The dude with the mask. What on? the fuck? Those caros. Yeah, that that was uh, very unnecessary. You, but that's also pride. Look at yeah. that fucking ball oh, right off. Bounce it would off. Skip the top. it right off yep. the top of your head. Well, get it over your gloves, man. I mean. Mirko Krokop. I mean, he was he had such a, a perfect style to transition from kickboxing to MMA because he was so explosive. Whereas like some guys, Think. they were more technical and they would set things up more. Like I don't know if a guy like Ernesto Hoost would have been the best guy, or a guy like Peter no. Ernst yeah. would have been the best guy to come over to MMA. But he was the best guy to show what an elite level, top of the food chain kickboxer would look like. Fighting in in MMA. There it is. Oh, that's a bad one. I remember that's, that uh, one. A million Anko. Yeah, it's Fedor's brother. Fedor's brother. Alexander. But the the Vandalay Silva one was my favorite. Dude, he was so good. So there it is. Yeah, Boom. man, it's another one that skips off. Yeah. It skips off the top of your freaking head. He was so clever in how he set up. Boom. See ya. Oh my God. Good night. And that was the Pride Days. The Pride Days were fucking amazing. Man. Well, dude, it was just like just calling Shogun's retirement yes, fight. Uh, yes, speaking of another yes. case where, yeah, too many calling your last fight, saying yeah. I'm gonna, it's just yeah. never, never like, gonna work out. Well, Shogun, like you, you could see, like all the wars are like you could see it on him. His and body he's not, he's look only, right. I think he's forty-one now or something yeah. like that. But he's forty-one in you know. Valley Tudo years. That's what I'm t- yeah. dude. Just think, just think about the fights in the gym. Oh my god, that that guy went through. Oh my god, yeah, yeah. I mean, they the those old days with the shoot the box academy, they would go to war. They were trying to knock each other out every day, every, every day. day. Yeah, and yeah. that's not good for longevity of the career. No, no. but I mean, that's What's, even even when I was coming up, there was still a lot of that going on, man. Where, oh yeah, you know, guys just. I, I, w- I would get into fist fights and the, it, it, we were just trying to knock each other out. And I'd look back, I'm like, that's so stupid. So stupid. It's so yeah. stupid. But I mean, what do you think is the balance, though? Because I think there has to be some hard sparring just to prepare you. 100%. So I think you have to pick moments to do it. And I think you have to kind of really have that be the day that you're doing those rounds, right? And also have people that you're sparring with that are kind of trying to simulate the fight. Whereas if you're just going around the room and sparring everybody in the room that day, like most gyms do now, where it's like you just, oh, let me grab this partner, let me grab that partner. You're not getting the look for your fight. You're getting pissed off. Somebody hits you with something, you end up going to battle with them. Whereas if it's more secured, kind of like how pro boxers do everything, where 
You have your sparring partners. That day is set up. You're greased up. You have somebody in the ring. I think it needs to be very formalized like that when you're going to have your hard days Mm -hmm. so that you're not just off in the corner getting into a slugfest with some dude that's having, you know, a dick measuring contest with you, basically. Isn't that, that's the hard conversation, too, about what kind of camp do you go to? If you're an up-and-coming fighter, do you go to ATT, where you got, like, 15 dudes who just flew in from Russia, and they're staying in the dorms, and they're fucking assassins? Yeah, you get you you get spinning back-fisted to, yeah. to death? Or yeah. do you start out a small gym? I had this conversation with Joaquin Buckley, where he's talking about he likes smaller gyms because he gets individualized training, and he gets a coach who's really looking at his development. Yeah, and setting up his camp like this. You're gonna spar with this guy because this guy's gonna emulate this for you. Yeah, and well, we're, we're even gonna yes. bring in guys yes. because there's not enough guys here, and you're probably the best guy in the room. Right. You need to. I think that is the way to go, and I think being able to bring people in to work with you as well, and and keep a good relationship with other fighters and other camps to kind of share sparring partners and bringing people in so that you. You not you need to get the look that you want for that fight, and I didn't like in hindsight that that's so overlooked. I think it's just you just fight anybody. It's like well, you know, on the day somebody can get hurt, you might be stepping in. It's like yeah, but is that optimal though? I mean, it sometimes it is because sometimes that makes your career. Sometimes you get that last minute fight, you step up, you win the fight, and then it it, it rockets your career forward. Yeah, you you take that chance. You have that. I mean, Jamal Hill. Yeah. Right, I mean, he that five round fight. Oh yeah, I mean, uh, fighting for the title. You definitely have to sudden, be ready. What a crazy move the UFC does, right? Ankalaev and Bohovic have this fight, goes to a draw, which is just unheard of, right? Everyone's like, "What?" And then Danny so gets weird. pissed. Fuck it, <laughs> you guys are gonna fight for the title. You're both now. out. And like, what? Now Glover and him are fighting in Brazil for the title. But what a great fight, man! What an amazing fight! And for Jamal, that's the perfect opportunity. Like, what yeah. an opportunity! He goes in there and fights in Glover's hometown and and wins a title. Yeah, and uh, Anthony Smith gets kind of cast cast to the side. And I'm, uh, well, Anthony I, didn't make weight uh, either, bro. which is worse because Anthony was the substitute. Yeah, he was talking to me too, and he he, he really felt like it was uh, going, to, going to plan, but there's no motivation, man. That's where those things are tricky too, right? It's like, what do you really – what do you – pushing yourself in that sauna for it's like right. you glover's, know you're not fighting glover's never gonna fall out of a fight no and jamal's, jamal's not, not exactly a, he's not a, yes his opportunity yeah. right now and he was all he was dialed in the whole week and anthony knows that right so that's i feel like it was just a little bit of lack of motivation unfortunately although perhaps yeah, it's still, free money it's free money but it's also like god damn man what a brutal thing to do to your body for no reason and then not i i and i don't i don't know but Does he get anything? But the day of the fight, the day of the weigh-ins, rather, they should know. Like, Jamal, like, he should know. Like, I don't have to make the weight. Don't make the weight. Yeah. Like, if you're going to be the – I mean, wh- how, what's going to happen? What could happen between the weigh-in and the fight? It's so rare. It would have to be a stomach issue. Yeah. Pretty much. You or know what I mean? someone is so fucked up from the weight cut. That they just don't – they don't they come back fainting. from it. And, and Glover, at this point in his career, is not that guy. He's no, dialed in. No, Jamal dialed, was dialed in. Dialed in. Yeah, Jamal doesn't lose a lot of weight either. No, Jamal's and, pretty light. And for, he brought in he brought in Ian and like he had him cooking for him the whole damn time. Like he was not going to miss weight. Yeah, he was not going to miss weight for that opportunity. Yeah, it's hard. It's I've never hard. been the backup for anything like that. I, I've never had to go through that. When so. did they start doing that? 
I'm trying to think. Uh, Fairly recently, right? Like within the last five or six I mean, years. I know, like the when Habib and Tony that when that kept falling out, I think mm. that's when they were like, you know what? Mm, we should probably start having some backups yeah. for these types of situations. Yeah. And there's been another time where somebody missed really bad. We were talking about how. Um, oh my God, I'm going to blank on his name. Uh, what weight class? Welterweight. Vicente Luque. Took, mm. took a backup spot on, like, super short notice. I think he missed by, like, 12 pounds or something. Oh, God. <laughs> oh, no. Well, some of those guys are so fucking big. They're so big, the and they're like, it's it's a hard opportunity to turn down, right? It's like, hey, listen, you might fight, but chances are you're not. But we're going to pay you to fight. Well, I mean, there's guys like uh, Pajeda that can't make weight unless you give him three months. Yeah. Which is so bad. And I think Vicente is probably was in that department where it was like, I'm not going to make this on. I think it was super short notice that he took it. And I could be also talking out of my ass right now. Where Hamzat was talking about he wants to fight uh, Pajeda. And Pajeda's like, good, let's fight a light heavyweight in Brazil. 72 hours? Oh, 72 hours ago that it was in that position. Didn't feel that. Mm. Interesting. Son explaining a backup fighter. I was trying to find the history of it, and as you were talking, oh, mm. they're talking about interesting, interesting. Yeah, that's crazy. Vicente Luque, the backup fighter, coming in at 100. Oh, no, not that bad. He only uh, came in at 172. Me, who told me 12 pounds? Maybe he had to lose 12 pounds in a day or something like that. I'm gonna have to go, I'm gonna have to find that source and <laughs> get mad at him now. What do you think of uh, Kamaru Usman rematching Leon Edwards in London? I love that it's in London for Leon. For Leon, but yeah. I just, based on how that fight was going the first time, I think Kamaru's going to go in there and be much more dialed in and not allow a moment like that to happen again. And I, I think he's going to be able to pull it off and win. Well, it's hard to say, man, because when you watch a guy like... Leon Edwards realized that he could KO Kamara with one shot. Yeah. And then he pulls it off and did it and also took him down in the first round. Now yeah. he's the champion. He's got that championship confidence, that championship rub. Yeah. You know, like, who knows? I, and he's I, I agree. London. I think it's. I, I think he's going to have a lot more confidence coming into this one. And the London crowd is a real thing. I mean, oh, yeah. The last few that I've worked there, man, they make Brazil seem quiet anymore yeah. i mean that crowd there is they just crazy and then you also have to realize that the one of the beautiful things that leon's done is he did it all from home like he he really didn't join american top team or you know tristar he didn't join a big camp no he tried and he hated it yeah. he didn't want to be he didn't want to be away from home and he yeah. just and i we've talked to him a lot about this and he 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 realized that he can be at home working with good wrestlers and doing all that kind of stuff and focused on himself and not going away to America just to work his wrestling. He's yeah. like, how about you develop everything else and become a better fighter for the style that you're going to bring to the table as opposed to trying to put yourself into this American-style uh, wrestling camp and just not working on yourself. You yeah. know, and you go to these big gyms, especially you know early on in his career, and you're just getting, okay, yeah, go over here and... Work yeah. with so-and-so. You're not yeah. getting that attention. You stay back home in England, and you're the star pupil. You got everybody working around you. Yeah, the amount of hype that's going to be on that. And then there's the other thing is with Kamaro. Kamaro is famous for having knee problems. Like, he has horrendous knees. Yeah, he can't even walk down steps, right? Yeah. He's he like, walks down walk steps backwards. backwards, yeah, which is crazy that the when he fights, he puts that all out the window. But when Leon took him down, he tripped 
tripped him on his bad knee. Yeah. Like, I mean, both his knees are fucked, but one of his knees is worse. And he trips him on his bad knee, and his knee folds over, and he goes back down. And, you know, Kamara's been pretty open about it, saying, I don't know how much longer my body's going to hold up. Yeah. He's also been pretty open about the fact that when his career's done, he's probably going to get his knees replaced. He's probably going to have to. <sighs> I mean, his knees are chewed up, man. Yeah. Real bad. Yeah, I remember being at... um we did a thing, the UFC, when they were getting ready to start the PI at Ex- Exos, I think, out in Arizona, which is like a kind of like the Performance Institute, but for, you know, NFL players trying to get back into the into the big league, you know, players in their offseason or rehabbing. And I got, he w- it was me, him, and Max Holloway and Kelvin Gastelum, actually, that were all part of the group. And they used to send a bunch of us to kind of test it out and give feedback on all that. And yeah, he was, it's amazing that he's, dominated the way he has with those knees oh my god it's just mental strength because it's his mind he's he just pushes through and you know um will harris who yeah. has done an amazing job of uh documenting you know the dagestan chronicles and will's the best he's the best when it comes to mma uh like uh documentaries and and and, and covering these guys like he's such a good guy that everybody like lets him in they trust mm-hmm. him and then in in you know he gets all this behind the scenes footage oh and, yeah you know he's got footage of kamara where kamara was like openly talking about it like i don't know how much longer my body's gonna hold up yeah it, it it's all the wrestling for years mm-hmm. and years and years and just genetics right might just yeah once those knees go early and you just pound on them and just wrestling in general, man, mm-hmm. especially freestyle like that. Brutal. Know. Brutal. Yeah. Brutal. So many guys have blown out knees by the time their career is over. Yeah. That necks. They're yeah. just necks. Oh, yeah. Even even just anybody that's ever done any kind of grappling. Well, you how know about how it Aljamain? Is. Aljamain has a fake disc in his yeah. neck. You know? And that's con- you see a lot of guys have that kind of Weidman injury. Has where, that. Yeah, yeah, man. Even yeah. like an old coach of mine, I remember him having like his neck fused together back in the day. Ugh. That's scary, man. Boss Rutten, that's the beginning of his problems. He got his neck fused and now his yeah, and arm. And then you have like no range of start feet. losing. Yeah, mm-hmm. you start losing feeling in, in, in your scary arm. Scary shit. Yeah. yeah. No thanks. It's a, it's a wild way to live your life, to decide that for the glory and the challenge and just the, just the overwhelming difficulty of becoming a world-class fighter or a world champion fighter, that you put yourself through so much. It's, 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 it's funny that you you bring that kind of up because it's hard to talk to people about why you do it if you don't understand it, right? Like if you've never done combat sports or ever have that desire to fight and and just be one of the best, it looks crazy to anybody on the outside. Yes. We look like we're absolutely lunatics, but yes. it's com- it's competition to us. I don't look at a fight and think. I want to fucking kill that person because I just want to be violent. It's like I want to be better than that person. I want to be, and I want you know, you want to achieve something that seems crazy to other people. And I think that's what obsesses a lot of us about it is that you want to do something that ninety nine percent of the people in this world are terrified of doing. And walking to that cage is definitely one of the scary things. Aside from like anybody of active military and does all that kind of stuff. That's another. Level. Uh, that's where. That's what I can't imagine. Yeah. That's and any of level. my friends that have served and done that, I'm like, they're like, man, I don't know how you fight and do this. I'm like, what, bro? <laughs> Crazy. You fought in wars. Right. What are you talking about? That's the highest level. That's and the those highest guys, level. It's the same sort of situation. They oftentimes want to go back. Yeah. It's like the thrill of that. Yep. 
I can't imagine because I know what it's like to ha- to want that fight feeling, to want that desire to get your hand raised, whether good, better, ugly, and, and you have like a depression when it's done, man. And I'm mm. sure you've heard other fighters talk about this. Whether you win or lose, you build up to this moment, this fight camp. I'm yeah. fighting this guy. I'm going to get to the octagon, and then it's done. Yeah. You're like, oh. Well, that I mean, now what? Times ten with most people at the end of their career. Yeah. Because now what? Yeah. Now what, the the what big now do? what? Yeah, yeah. What do you do? And that's one of the things that I think is beautiful about what you've done. You've found something that's a challenge that can occupy your mind and your will. And in, and learn things, and along but it's the way. and it's the same feeling though when those when that race is done and I cross that finish line, <laughs> as soon as it's done you're like, oh, <laughs> and it, everybody around's like you fucking got your PR you that's great you had your best run you did this or your swim was really good and it's like now what I want to go faster <laughs> <laughs> it's not fast enough well the the guys are the real wild ones like I've always wondered like how does John Jones deal with retirement. Like, is John yeah. so wild? Like, what is what is John going to do when it's all done? I mean, for the last three years, John has been thinking, okay, I'm going to build up to become a heavyweight. Yeah, he goes he in this still extensive, had a goal. extensive weightlifting program, yeah. obviously put in all this work to get so big and really built himself up to be a legitimate heavyweight. And now, I mean, and also John is what, 36 now? How old yeah. is John now? I don't know. How old is John Jones? When you go back to John Jones's first fight with Shogun, fighting for the world title, I always say this: one of the wildest things I've ever seen. The guy's fighting for the world title, youngest guy, thirty-five, youngest guy ever to win the title. He opens up against a legend with a flying knee. Yeah, I mean, it's just wild. Yeah, you can't. John was just wild, and doing and that on like yeah, an hour of sleep. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean. <laughs> Dude, I can remember even back at Jackson's when we'd be there, he'd come rolling in and you could, you know, I, I, I didn't know him personally then, so I don't know what he was doing, but you could tell. Partying. He was probably partying and he'd come in and just. Beat everybody's ass. Clean the room, man. <laughs> talent. Just just yeah, no issue. Talent is not fair in its distribution. It's just not. No. Not I mean, at he, all. He And that's why so many people get so pissed. Mm-hmm. It's like. I did everything right, and yeah. this guy rolls in and kicks your ass. Yeah. I'm very curious to see how he handles Cyril Gaon, because Cyril Gaon is so fucking smooth and fast on the feet. That The KO of Tai Tuivasa. Bro, like, the kicks that he was God. showing in that one. My God. The body work. My God. But Crazy. then you have to think Francis out-wrestled him and took him down. That's the big. Yeah. And if Francis can take him down and out-wrestle him. What the hell is John Jones going to do with him? What is John Jones going to do with him? Yeah. Or, or can, is John Jones as effective as a heavyweight? As because of the size. Lighter? That's because the thing. The it's like, well, Francis might not be the strongest wrestler, but he's humongous. Right. So right. even though he might not have the technical skills that John does, just, right. just physical what, strength. What, and that's what I keep count. saying to everybody that asks me any questions about that one. I'm like, we're going we're we're gonna, gonna to find I, out. I don't know. This is truly one mm-hmm. where we don't know. We have nothing to base it on because right. we can hear Jim's stories about how he handled heavyweights. But what's that like in the octagon on fight right. night? Also, 
Cyril Gantz had ample opportunity to prepare for that kind of wrestling strategy. Whereas I bet with Francis Ngannou, he didn't think Francis was going to try to take no, him down. No, not like that. He probably didn't prepare for a grappling match at all. Probably prepared for movement and try yeah. to outpoint him. And then suddenly you find yourself yeah. getting put on your back. And you're like, oh. And then you got to think, like, athleticism. Cyril Gantz is so athletic and he's such a good striker. When was the last time John fought a guy who was that athletic and a good striker? Well, that's Dominic Reyes. Yeah, and, and he Dominic gave him a lot of trouble. Gave him a lot of trouble. And Dominic Reyes is another one, right? Like, <sighs> at the top of the heap, and then all of a sudden, boom. He just keeps getting flatlined, and he's talk. He's still talking about, you know, his next fight and coming back. I'll be back. I'm like, bro, Ryan Span is a motherfucker, <laughs> dude. There's a there's a guy that's super talented, and when he's training and in shape, yeah. Well, he said he's not even been, yeah, training. He wasn't even training, <laughs> bro. He knocked him out with like a like a kind of a jab hook. Yep. But it's just the speed and precision and. Yeah, he's a freak. He's a freak. You get these guys that are just like super fucking talented that just find their place. It's funny to see when they realize, oh, hey, I can be a lot better if I train. It's like, yeah, yeah no shit, dude. I can't believe it took yeah. you this long. To fit. Oh, I never even trained. I'm like. Yeah, and, and you know, you talk to Safe Saud and he'll tell you like, you ain't even seen the best of this guy yet. Yeah. Like, he's fucking good. It's just like, what a what a wild time. So wild time for the sport. Yeah, it's good. So exciting. Very exciting. All right, Paul Felder. I'm glad we did this, man. We've been talking Dude. about doing this for a while. It was a lot of fun. I know, man. And, you know, it was the thing. I never wanted to be that guy that was going to bug you about it. I'm like, I get to see <laughs> Joe. I talk to Joe. I work with him. When the time is right, he'll he'll eventually ask me to do this thing. And here we are, and we did it. We did it. So Thank thanks, you very bro. much for being on, man. Um, so uh, when are we working together again? Do you know? I don't know. Um, do you know when you're the next one you're calling? Well, I mean, I know I'm doing the eight. I'm doing San Hagen and Vera. Oh, is the next one I'm working. I was actually yeah. thinking of flying in for that. Oh, if you're gonna, I want not not even. T I want to go to watch. Just go watch. Yeah, yeah. That's on February 18th. Yeah, it's at the Apex. Yes, that I fucking love that fight. I fucking love. Oh my god, Krilov and Span. February 25th. Ooh, that's also at the Apex. Yeah. Ooh, I like that fight. I like and Krilov is I I'm, Krilov is a I bad like man. that dude, man. I was so surprised he stopped Gustafson like that. <sighs> just stormed the gates and just came out guns blazing and He's put Gustafson in San Hagen and Vera is a fight. Yeah. That is a fucking intriguing contest. That's that's going to be yeah. bloody. That was the one where I was like, man, I might fly in for that one. And Talia Santos versus Aaron Blanchfield. Blanchfield, man. Woo! She's tough. She's fucking good, dude. Very exciting. But I, ah, I, and ben, uh, Benoit Santini, that kid's good too, man. This French like special forces guy. Mm. He's talented. Yes, he is. It's, uh, it's a great time to be a fan, my brother. Yes, sir. Thank you very much for being here. Appreciate Thank you. you. Great working with you always. Thank Fun you, hanging out. All right. Bye, everybody.